The remembrance speaks to us of the honor of the trial. If not resolved on the field of battle, beware, for your status as an awesome pilot grants no advantage in court. Hello, this is Of Mechs and Men, a Battletech book club. I am Kanan Hill, joined, as usual, by my two good friends, Brent. It is I, Brent. And Aaron. It's me, Aaron. How we doing, boys? I just realized that uh, the first letter of our names forms an acronym, A-B-C, Always Bet Capellan. It's, is it some kind of conspiracy, guys? Well, that's good. Because we have now finished Warrior on Guard, and it's time to start our wrap-up. Yes, it is time for The Remembrance of Warrior on Guard by Michael A. Stackpole. Let's get into it. Warrior on Guard. We read it. We did it. Part one of the trilogy. It was great, right? It's a classic. It's a doozy. A lot of stuff happens in this book. It's definitely a big step up, right? I mean, so many characters, multiple storylines. The whole first part, we got Justin at the trial, and then he goes to Solaris, and we got the whole Kellhounds going on with Daniel and that whole situation on Pacifica. We're jumping around. We're hanging out with Hans. We're hanging out with Katrina and, you know, all the stuff with the body double, right? Don't forget about the body double. Don't forget about Melissa. And then there's the whole section where Arden Sortek and Andy go hang out on Tharkad. And meanwhile, Justin's hanging out with Gray Noten and they're doing like gladiatorial matches, right? There's like a lot of stuff going on. Oh, and of course, uh, you know, you can't forget the Ginyosha. They get introduced. We also meet uh, Yorinaga and the Ginyosha, and we learn about Mallory's world and the Kellhounds and all that stuff. We even get a little bit with, like, Takashi Kurita, and then it all comes together, right? It all comes down to sticks with the Silver Eagle and Heimdall, <laughs> and then the Combine shows up, Kellhound shows up, Patrick Kell saves the day, and then, of course, uh, Patrick Kell dies in the end. But the Kellhounds get away, Melissa is saved, and that's it. That's Warrior On Guard. Huh? Huh? Good book? What do you think? What are we thinking? <laughs> it's definitely... A huge change in pacing between the Great Death Legion and stepping into Warrior here. However, I love it. I like how fast-paced it moves. Snappy. How much ground we cover in this book is incredible. And the wild thing about it is it really feels like we're covering three books in one here. We've got the Justin arc, we've got the Dan arc, and then we've got the Melissa Steiner arc all going through it. But Stackpole handled it really well. Right when you're starting to forget about one of the other arcs, we hop right back to it. He keeps everything on the forefront 
at all times. It's like this weave, right? They're all woven together. And just like you said, as you're starting to forget one, you're back at it. And its relevance is brought back to the forefront. I bet you didn't expect Melissa Steiner to have such a large role in the story, right? By the end, she's a pretty major character. We get a lot of time with Melissa. Well, for me, coming from the Grey Death Legion, I didn't expect to encounter Melissa, Katrina, Hans, all the big characters that we get. You get that small story scale in Grey Death Legion. You get to follow them along so intimately. And you get to know every character so well through that. Yeah. That I was prepped for more of that smaller storytelling. Now, both of you had taken some time and been like, this really blows up. Like, this this expands the scope of what we're going to cover immensely. And I, that still didn't prepare me. We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. In the Price of Glory Remembrance at the end, we talked about how Stackpole's about to blow this thing open. <laughs> blow this thing open and put the running shoes on it. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> and we're on the other side of it. Do you see what we mean now? We weren't joking around. <laughs> it gets wild immediately very quickly it gets out of hand oh yeah yeah it really does blow everything wide open here and for me going through this i really enjoyed the pacing i like that it moved i liked how snappy a lot of these scenes were how much information stack pulse throwing at you at all times and overall as i kept saying through each episode like i was more excited to read the next chapter Every time. As soon as I finished one, I was like, oh, I can't wait to get into the next one. It's a page turner, for sure. So compared to the Grey Death Legion we just finished, as you said, not to beat a dead horse, Stackpole does things differently. Not necessarily better. uh, Maybe better in some ways, but like we're definitely zoomed out a lot more. It's much more big picture stuff. And I like this. I did find myself funny, like when the in the way we're covering it, I did find I missed some of the let's hang out and and kind of wallow in in these scenes a little bit. And we don't really get that. I do wish there was just a little bit more fat. But uh, overall, I think I really like Warrior on Guard. But I don't think it stands up amazing on its own. It's really, it truly is a part of this trilogy. And it's kind of almost the forward to this trilogy is and it's very necessary i think its story overall is solid but it really requires the whole body all three of these books warrior on guard warrior repost and warrior coop they stand together as a single like work and so yeah that's a vibe i got from that very quickly is looking at the great death legion they do feel like you're following one group through three different adventures. Yes. And this, to me, feels like we're going to be going and picking up right after this and continuing on. So that's me. I like them. The pacing is refreshing. It's going to skyrocket us for a while. As stated before, Stackpole kind of makes up the spine of Battletech literature at this time, and everything kind of congregates around said spine and makes up the rib cage and the organs and et cetera, et cetera. As far as the novel fiction is concerned. Well, what about you, Kanan? What are your thoughts? I know this is your very first Battletech book. This is the first one you ever read. It is. And 
I really liked it. I liked it back then too. I remember I finished this and I thought, yeah, I could, you know, I could go for like a hundred more of these. <laughs> That'd be chill. And I did. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. Good book. Cool plot. It is very action movie. It's a little pulpy as it is. I love it. For real. It's so battle tech. It's got that good battle tech flavor though. It's entertaining. And it does. It has a snappy pace. He definitely keeps it moving. And so you never get too bored. But also, you bring up a good point where you do get a little less hangout time with the characters. We got a lot of hangout time with Grayson. We got to see him bumble his way through a variety of situations. Whereas in this one, you know, you get to a character, they're kind of doing something, an action occurs. We get some chill hangouts, though. There are some chill hangouts. Yeah, they definitely happen. Yeah. But it's almost always a surprise vehicle for the plot, even if it doesn't feel like it at first. You'll be like at an award ceremony and it's like, oh, this is just an award ceremony. And it's like, no, actually it's a precursor to an invasion. (laughs) And you're just like, oh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Here's the thing. Stackpole, this is his first published novel. It's clear that he had been writing for some time. I mean, it's especially clear with how the set of novels is he figures it out, right? Like he definitely strikes a balance moving forward. This one feels it's real lean more so than other ones moving forward. So I just wanted to mention it because it is something I noticed, especially with our kind of combing through these books the way we do. Oh yeah. Even though the pace was much quicker, it took us much longer. (laughs) It took us 10 episodes to cover this book. Isn't that wild? Lots to talk about. (laughs) It is. It's true. There's a lot of context, right? We were literally dealing with the successor lord of each successor state with the exception of House Merricks. That's true. We literally see all of them. I mean, throughout three of the original Grey Death trilogy, we get a mentioning of Katrina Steiner, we get a mentioning of Janos Merrick, and we get a mentioning of Takashi Kurita. But it's just that mentionings it's not uh we we spend no time with them we're not in rooms while they're making big decisions they're not being used as vehicles of the plot there's some almost intangible thing far off far away from the action that's taking place in the books of the great death legion i like the characters though i will say good characters i like these characters i had a good time hanging out with them that's a big part of it they're likable they're charming they're cool Yeah, there's a little something for everyone in each of these characters. Even with Justin, who's complicated, I think. Is he (laughs) likable? Is he cool? I don't know. Maybe. That's actually a question I wanted to ask. What character are you guys most invested in? As far as intrigue, I do want to know what happens to Justin. I mean, the way it ends, right? Right. It ends with the meeting with the Chancellor, Max Leal. So that's interesting. Right away, you get to thinking, oh man, we're going to learn more about the Capellan Confederation, dude. How cool is that? <laughs> Cappies. It's like you were saying, though. Is he in over his head, right? Did he plan for this? Did he expect it to go this far this quickly? It's exciting. I'm excited. Yeah, it absolutely is. I, and I would have said I probably would have had a different answer if it wasn't for the epilogue. But after Interesting. reading the epilogue, I would say I'm not interested in a single character, but it's the Allard family as a whole became the thing that I'm most interested in following along to see Stackpole set those blocks together 
to see how that all comes out. Yes. That's good. That's real good because you're going to get more House Allard. I hope so. (laughs) That is a good point, how at the end of it, you realize, oh, it's kind of about this family. We get the father and the two sons all in these like separate storylines. Yeah, all going in different directions. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is kind of the Allard family plays a very large role (laughs) in this story. Yeah, and it it really doesn't sync all together until that very last part of the epilogue where you you see everybody has drifted apart in terms of what they're going through. But then with the sections in the epilogue, you're like, oh, no, Stackpole's brought this all back together just through drawing comparisons in that scene. Oh, because notice at the end, everyone else is back together. Even Hans Mm -hmm. is there and Melissa and Andy and the Calhouns and Dan and Clovis. With the exception of Sortek. Yeah, Sortek's not there, but also Justin isn't. Right, all the other sure. characters are drawn together except for Justin. He stands mm-hmm. alone. He's meeting with a different Davion. Yeah, <laughs> Michael. So to answer my own question, I'm most interested in Andy Redburn. Yes, he's become my favorite character. Maybe I mean, don't get me wrong. The other characters you're supposed to like are great. I enjoyed the little bit of Grayson we got out of Andy in this one. You know, the fine vintage, the spaghetti. He's great. I was longing for that kind of character. And I agreed with your assessment that he was most likely to die, Aaron. But I'm glad he didn't. Hey, we got two more books. We do have two more (laughs) books. You're right. He is the funnest guy to hang out with. Oh, no. I agree. Yeah, he That's has the Cat chillest. Wilson. Oh, man, you're right. Cat Wilson. Definitely. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say they're neck and neck for me. Andy Redburn and Cat Wilson. Those are my two NBPs. <laughs> that would have been my answer before the epilogue was, I want to see more <laughs> Cat Wilson. We don't get a lot of cat time, but everything we get is gold. That's so it. You know, I can get behind it. Quality over He's quantity. Cool. He's cool. <laughs> Killhound's Ascendant, dude. Let's just shout it out again. For the listeners, he's in it. Kellhound's Ascendant. We might have to cover that in uh, a tight beam. Maybe. Totally. Write in, listeners, if you'd like to hear that. Yeah, I do want to talk about it. Advice at heat.management. Thank you. But yeah, overall, we're feeling good, right? We're feeling excited. We like where it's going. We like the characters. We're feeling it. And we're just getting started. Part one of three, we're just getting warmed up. This was all set up. We're just getting ready to roll. Also, I have to mention, we get all the stuff with Solaris in this book. And that's cool, because if you know Battletech or Mech Warrior, right, you probably heard about Solaris. It's the game world. It's just cool that this early on, you get this much information about the game world. It's very important to the setting. Solaris 7, you get these gladiatorial matches and all the arenas and the different districts. There's a lot of Solaris in this book. And Solaris is cool. Oh, yeah. I would say the Solaris chapters were my favorite chapters in the book. It really painted such a cool picture and made it the place, like, if I was in the Battletech universe, that's where I'd want to hang out. You've also got some context for Solaris. You also, previous to us doing this, the only Battletech book you had read was Illusions of Victory. That's (laughs) right. And as I said, I didn't remember much about it. I knew... It was on Solaris, but mainly my knowledge of Solaris came from MechWarrior 4. 
It was my favorite totally. section of that game. That's what I probably spent the most time doing was going in and just playing Solaris matches in that game over and over Heck again. Yeah. I can confirm that's a lot of fun. Shout out to George Ledeau, the voice of Duncan Fisher. You made those Solaris games. I swear the like sync up of like his narration to what was happening in game was like ahead of its time. The legend. Oh yeah. Yeah, Solaris is sweet, dude. It's it's, it's got a cool like cyberpunk dystopia kind of a vibe to it that I'm uh Oh, the city. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's so funny because whenever I think Solaris, I really actually don't think about the city, but the city is super cool. The city is sweet. And we've got those, you've got the different districts lining up with the different houses. We spend a little time in a couple of districts in this book. You're right, though. It embodies that cyberpunk. It's like both very glossy and polished and trashy and like dirty. Yeah. That's totally how I see it in my head. And we get some sweet mech duels. You know, we get some one-on-one, we get some gladiatorial combat. <laughs> What's the coolest one? I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's gotta be where he stabs the rifleman, right? Oh yeah, the Billy Wolfson fight, hands down. Yeah. It's by a long shot. I think the follow-up is the Griffin fight, but it's just, it's not as cool the, the Griffin fight in Factory is cool, but the Rifleman in the jungle takes the cake. Remember, that was Peter Armstrong in the Griffin. Indeed. Um, Don't stick your chest out unless you want an AC-20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got wrecked. Yeah. A lot of stuff gets wrecked in this book. I mean, one hit, right? We see <laughs> oh, a lot yeah. of mechs get, like, messed up, though. <laughs> this is, it's like, mechs take, like, more damage in this book <laughs> they do we so many panthers were harmed in the making of this film <laughs> you know what i mean there's like i got requests from people to count the amount of destroyed panthers i sat down one day to do it and it took enough time that i eventually was like can i get like an ai to do this and i could i just it became a whole thing and i inevitably Gave up. I'm sorry, whoever asked me to do that. I really did give it an honest effort, but a lot of Panthers die. It's a lot. Yeah, we get multiple <laughs> Panther parties throughout this book. Oh, yeah. Panthers are cool to shoot at. <laughs> yeah, we get a bunch of Solara stuff. Solara stuff is cool. And we also get a bunch of stuff about the Kellhounds, right? I have to mention the Kellhounds. It's a very important part of this book, this whole trilogy, really. But, you know, you've heard of the Kellhounds. That's like foundational. That's a, it doesn't take very long. If you're getting into battle tech, it does, it's not going to take you that long until you get a mention of the Kell Hounds, right? They're very much in the same vein as like the Eridani Light Horse and Wolf Dragoon. It's just, you really can't start looking at battle tech stuff, even if it's just guys' miniatures. I mean, everyone's got, Almost everyone's got some Calhouns painted up somewhere, even if it's just a lance. Well, in going into this book, I knew about the Calhouns, but I didn't know much about them. And didn't know how cool they were. That's exactly it. By the end of this first book, I'm in love with them. I'm excited to see whatever Calhouns painted up. I'm 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 waiting for it. It's also interesting because in this book, it's like. I mean, they are the real Kellhounds, but this is right away we establish that they've been decimated, 
right? That this yeah. is their golden, there was a golden era that is now behind them. And this is the second form of this unit. These are the loyal guys, yeah. right? Morgan kind of hung up the jacket and Patrick donned it and sent out the call. And these are the guys that showed up or he recruited. So yeah, we, we are, we're dealing with post-apocalyptic Kelhound. Yeah, you it's know, this interesting. Is after the fall. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Kind of a rebuilding season. Yes. We're in a bit of a rebuild <laughs> right now. And that's cool because they still got room to grow. They used to be big. They got smaller. We got to make them big again. And so by the end, you realize, oh, we're kind of building up the Kelhounds even. Like this is clearly going to be a thing. Well, uh, you know, a certain uh, successor lord basically gave him a golden ticket at the end. So I imagine there's going to be some growth, maybe even between these two books. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> you remember that, I mean, at the end, Patrick tells Dan basically to go find Morgan. We don't got to beat around <laughs> the bush. It's very, we know where it's headed. It's true. Come on, Morgan's coming back. You know where it's going. And that's interesting. Aaron, I know you've read a little bit. We've already started reading a little bit, the, like for our first bit. So I'm not going to give you the whole, you know, what do you think's going to happen? But I am going to ask you, what do you think the scene's going to be like that we meet Morgan? So after covering the last episode, uh, I did take some time to think about that. And the way I saw it playing out was I could see Stackpole drawing a very strong parallel to how we were introduced to Yorinaga and seeing the these yeah. two who have throughout this first book that whole encounter on Mallory's world was built up. We got Mallory's the Phantom world. Mech story. We've Phantom got all Mechs. of that. The the Yorinaga in a monastery. We know that Morgan had isolated himself to a monastery as well. So I'd be excited to see if those two are paralleled very tightly when we get to meet him. That sounds on brand for Stackpole, doesn't it? I mean, that is, we have kind of seen this dualistic storytelling so far. So that that's an interesting prediction. And for me, it was thinking about both of these men were set in that vow they made themselves in isolation. And then as soon as they were brought motivation to enter the world again. They come out swinging. So I'd assume something similar like that might happen with Morgan. Well, you heard it, folks. From Aaron's lips to your ears. <laughs> <laughs> also, he said Phantom Mech. All right. So <laughs> Brent, I gotta, I've been dying to talk about the Phantom Mech. Brent, tell <laughs> me about Phantom the Phantom Mechs. Mechs. Dude, the Phantom Mech pilot ability. Or is it... Or it's it's it, it's like a mech ability. Is it... Uh, it what... It, Okay, so this is, from what I've been led to believe, a bit of a contentious, ongoing subject of debate. Or, you know, maybe the case is closed. It's been a long time. But it even mentions it in the Kelhounds source book that I've been talking about. It says Phantom Mech in that book. So, yeah, man, that's like a thing, Right, I have to say, because it comes up a whole bunch where everyone who talks about Mallory's world is like, it was crazy. You couldn't see them on your sensors. No one could shoot them. And then at the end, it shows up again. And Patrick gains the phantom mech ability. They can't shoot Patrick. It's just so funny. There's, you know, there's some magic in it. I like to think that the pilot, especially through the neuro helmet, becomes one with the machine. 
And if you have truly accepted death in your heart, you gain, right? There's some kind of a like spiritual transfer that occurs. I don't know. It has, it's, it's, it's something like that, right? A quick Sarna search, you'll see how much of this is, there's like a whole history of its controversy in Battletech and people have lost their minds in both directions. You know, there's people that are like, they probably both had lost tech and ECM trying to explain away kind of the oh, lost tech. Zen. Yeah, that's the nano machines <laughs> of Battletech. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm going to be honest with you. Like the, it's pretty clear. This is not like a lot of people say the only instance of kind of mystical events to happen in Battletech. In fact, I would say that there's even more mystical than this. If you look at real life, I think you'll find the same rings true. I'm fine with this for one. And I actually think he's clearly going for these two guys are these masters of Zen and they are one with their machines in a way that most normal pilots aren't due to whatever kind of monastic like training they have. Well, which, you know, we see with Yorinaga and uh, if Aaron's right, you know, maybe we see with uh, Morgan. I feel like I see where he's going for. I do feel like in this story, it is a little hammy. Right, but I'm still here for it. As we've already kind of stated, we don't need midichlorians in Battletech, but let's a little like just a little a little seasoning of mysticism. We are known mysticism enjoyers. <laughs> it's true. In, we in in our Battletech here on this show. <laughs> we are straight chill with it. It's cool. How much do you think the BV value of the Phantom Mech ability would be? <laughs> Can I pad some of my list with that? I'll be honest, I can't remember if it's an actual, like, ability. But I haven't read through the Kellhounds book to the degree that Kanan has. Do you recall what it says in there? In the source book, it says that Morgan and Patrick Hell and Yori Nagakurita possess a special combination of genetics, training, and philosophy that gives them an ability known as the Phantom Mech skill. And so, it's cool and I've read a bunch of these books, and I don't remember it ever really coming up again. Well, there is some other mysterious stuff going on with some weird mechs yes. and whatnot, but I don't, I don't, can't remember anyone else having the. I, I just mean it is, it is an iconic element of the Warrior trilogy. Is the uh, the Phantom Mech ability, and it's cool. I got to talk about the Phantom Mechs. <laughs> It's true. I know people have thoughts about the Phantom Mechs. While we here at OMAM seem to be pro-Phantom Mechs, we'd love to hear from you guys. So please write in at the usual place with your opinions. But, and we're not done with Phantom Mechs. We got some Phantom Mechs in our future because remember, this is just part one of a trilogy. There is a part two and a three. And so our next book... It's going to be Warrior Riposte, right? And I'll just say it right now. That's the book with the wedding in it, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm sure everyone, yeah. It's that's the, the big it, part. Yeah. It's the big the, part is the wedding. It's the middle book. The wedding. And it's, it's the one with the wedding, all right? <laughs> and so we're going to have a lot to talk about. 
It's very true. It's going to get nuts. I'm very excited for Aaron to read this one. <laughs> What's a good wedding without a few broken plates? Yeah. Now, Aaron, you are aware he is not completely Battletech blind. He is aware of the wedding. It's such a, a famous You can't avoid event. it. Yeah. He, yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, this is something that you can't miss. But however, outside of just knowing the basic details. Yeah. I haven't ever dived into it. So I don't know much about what happens or how it happens. So I'm very excited to see that. I know this is one of those things that just being around Battletech, I'm very excited to get to. In MechWarrior 5, for one of the expansions, we get like a cutscene around it. Yeah. It's a very important scene. And I'm going to be honest, I think if... There's there's only a, there's a few scenes in BattleTech that I just crave to see in film and this is definitely one of them. And so it'll be I can't wait till we cover that part. Yes, perhaps you've heard of a little thing called the Fourth Succession War. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you know Brent, if you're going to shoot a movie, we're going to need some actors, which is why I think it's time to take a trip to the hiring hall. It's time for The Hiring Hall. We're always talking about these books like they're movies, or at least I am. You know me. I'm like, oh, I'd do the scene like this or like this. And also, I like the idea of giving a visual frame of reference, right? So if someone's reading the books, they can kind of imagine a character like this. This also gives us an opportunity to kind of give our own takes on the characters. Hilarity always ensues when we realize that we see these characters very differently from each other. So yes, this is the segment where we cast the characters as if we were uh, shooting a movie. However, there are no limitations on era. They don't have to be a current actor. You can say uh, this guy from this decade. Yeah, this is the hiring hall. Also, clearly no budget. And no budget. Yeah, you can get anyone. It's great. So this is the hiring hall for Warrior On Guard. And uh, I thought I'd start us off with uh, a fan favorite. I want to talk about Philip Capet. Who do you got for <laughs> Philip Capet? Because uh, he only appears in this book. Well, and uh, Spanner in the works, of course. You got to have a good villain. This like real scenery chewing kind of a guy. Brent, tell me, who do you got? Philip Capet. What are you thinking? So for Philip Capet, I have Ander Holmes from Workaholics. Of course, with a mustache. Oh. He's the tall guy from Workaholics. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted someone that's like a little preppy that you can really kind of dirty up. Interesting. Because it's real fun to hate on like a preppy dude. You know what okay. I mean? <laughs> and uh, at least for me, I feel that way. Sorry, preppy people out there. Yeah, I get his angle. His is like a little cleaner he's because a, Phillip's a, he's a bit of a pretender, right? He's acting tough. Right. But he's not exactly. really that tough. Okay. All right. Aaron, what about you? Philip Capet. I went in a bit of a different direction with my Philip Capet choice here. <laughs> you always do. Yeah. I wanted to get somebody that you, you could really hate while they're pulling it off. So I went with First Blood era Brian Dennehy. Brian Dennehy, yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. You really did go a different direction. That's the sheriff. 
from First Blood, right? Indeed. Interesting. Oh, man. It's funny. In my head, it's this like tall, lanky dude. But in your head, he's clearly kind of the shorter, wider dude. Yeah. This is interesting. I wanted somebody that looked like they could pull off the gruff, tough guy, but at their core have the ability to make him a bumbling goon Yeah, at the same time. You've got to be a little pathetic. Yeah. A little pathetic. Okay. That's great. Oh, so... The whole time I've been reading this, honestly, I picture Daniel Day-Lewis, right, from uh, There Will Be Blood, or like Gangs of New York, like a Butcher Bill. I think he's got, exactly, he's got that tall, lanky, he's got a great, can grow an incredible mustache, he's got the black, oily hair, like, I think he'd be great. And, you know, he, you get that whole method actor thing, like, <laughs> he, like he never totally. leaves character, right, the whole time they're shooting, he's like <laughs> Philip Capet, right, he's so into it. <laughs> Right. But if you were going to get him, you could afford to have him in just one. In our minds. <laughs> it's free. Hmm. Day Lewis is actually somebody I have him in my back pocket for someone. I think. Great actor. Totally. He's so good. One of the best. Yeah. He'd be incredible um, for a lot of roles in the Battle so many. universe. It's true. Yeah. He'd be great. So listen, Philip Capet, he's not the only tough guy we got in this book, though. Right. If we're going to do Philip Capet, we got to do Gray Noten. Of right. course, I got. Gray I Noten. gotta hear this. I need to know, Brent. What do you see for Gray Noten? I wanted someone who he walks in the room and you're like, oh, that's that's a son of a gun. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was like, oh, you know, what's Daniel Craig doing? Daniel Craig. Okay, <laughs> that'd be tight. Oh, I can see it. You know, the first scene where he pulls up in the typhoon and he goes and he checks his coat, and uh, you know, the girl's like, oh. uh, I think, uh, you know, there's a guy waiting for you and you could, oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. As I he slips through the 10 C bills. Yeah. Yeah. He slips through the C bill. I feel totally. like he can do both, right? He can do the, like, on the grizzled vet that's wearing yeah. the, like, BDU outfit that's kind of, like, sloppy, but then he can put on the sleaze suit and walk through the Valhalla Club with a stride, and, you know? Yes. And he can do, like, world weary well yes which is <laughs> That's like, yeah, true. important he's tired right <laughs> yeah totally aaron what do you think gray noten so for my pick i'm going 48 hours era nick nolte nick oh somebody, my god <laughs> <laughs> somebody who's a little out of okay. shape got the conspiracy mindset yeah. can kind of go to the depths but at the same time stare quietly while driving the car as you sit in the passenger seat <laughs> and then just mumble about <laughs> jobs or Intel and things Probably like that. Nothing. I think you could pull it off. Nick Nolte. We're getting in Gary Busey territory with Nick Nolte. Oh no, he's right. You might have to hold that thought till later. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> get out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, we may be entering the Busey zone. Stay tuned. <laughs> That's a threat. <laughs> danger, danger. Gary Busey incoming. Okay, Nick Nolte. I love it. Nick Nolte. <laughs> He's great. It's a wild choice. Yeah. You know what I saw when I was thinking about this? I love the idea of the prior generation action hero, Ooh. right? The kind of washed up yeah, totally. a little bit. I wanted, I was thinking, oh, what if you got like a Bruce Willis? Or like yeah. a, or like a Mel Gibson, 
type of guy. Oh, I was dude, like, we Gibson. Get, yeah, we. I low key kind of saw Mel. You're right. Mel Gibson would be all right. Or um, oh, what about like a Kurt Russell type of guy? You know what I'm going for. I do want <laughs> that. I want recognizable action star from previous generation. He's the guy that's going to get the older generation yeah. into the seats, right? Yeah. In the trailer, they show him saying something badass, which is easy because it's Gray Noten. So he's like always yes. like wrecking house. Now, Kurt Russell, I could see pulling that off incredibly. I got to save Kurt. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're a big carpenter guy. It's true. Okay. I love that. Very good. Very good. All right. Uh, next up. Oh, you know what I want? I want Dan Allard. I love Dan. I love I love Dan in this book. I got to know. What do you think? What do you see? Brent, what do you got? Dan Allard. Okay. So uh, this is the first of two of my kick-ass picks. And I don't mean just because I think they're awesome, but as in they're from the movie Kick-Ass. Oh. For Dan Allard, I have Aaron Taylor Johnson. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. I wanted someone. So my... I thought a lot about my Dan and Justin pick. I wanted them. I wanted Justin to be culturally appropriate, but I wanted my Justin and my Dan to look like they could be brothers. And so these are the ones that I, I, I took the most time and uh, yeah, that's my guy. Okay. Aaron Taylor Johnson. He'd be great. I like this guy. Busting out the ATJ. Yeah. No. I like that guy. All right. Okay. I'm chill with that. I like it. That's actually yeah, a good, you could actually see that, yeah. All right, that's a legit pick. Now, Aaron, Dan Allard, what do you got? So for my Dan, I would say, for once me and Brenner are on a similar vein here, that okay. I went with a Blue Velvet era Kyle McLaughlin. Ha! Ah, the Kyle McLaughlin pick. It, it was inevitable that someone was, was going to throw McLaughlin out there. I can see it. Dune era. Yeah. Yeah interesting that's i'm seeing it in my head now that's wild i didn't know sure. i'm putting him in the scenes you know where he's on the jump ship and he's like this is insane like what yes. are we doing like you know he's yelling at everyone oh man okay it does color it differently because mclaughlin <laughs> has this very like oh how would you even, it's it's it's, it's very like a, a eclectic yeah also. boyish yeah yes yes interesting you know what okay i wrote guy pierce you know, like 90s Guy Pierce. I don't know why. I just oh, thought, yeah. I was like, I think, you know, I think Guy Pierce would be a good, you know, though, I got to say, I like what Brent, Brent took into account that Justin and Dan are brothers. That's a good, I really didn't think about that, but that's a good, if you were actually casting the movie, I think you would, you would definitely want to consider that. Good point. Guy Pierce, though, is pretty good, though. I can totally oh, yeah. see it. I like Guy Pierce. Or like, um, what's that? Memento, you know, like a Memento era. Yeah, that's what I was. Just, that's what I was picturing when you said that. Yeah. that nineties era Memento yeah. era. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Okay, so speaking of, uh, we got to do Justin. You got to get this one right, Brent. Who we calling? What do you got? This one took me by and large the longest. I mean, I had a couple, but I was like, I actually want to save them for another Allard that we're gonna see in the future. And I was like, oh, I can't use that one. And so I finally came to the conclusion, for my Justin, Louis Tan. He's in the new Mortal Kombat movie. I haven't seen it. Uh, that's just the only reference point I could find. 
Oh yeah, he plays the lead. Yeah, oh, he was yeah. great. Oh, this guy's great. Oh, dude, I love this. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get this guy. Oh, he looks great. Yeah, totally. all right, okay. I love it. Louis Tan. All right. I didn't see that Mortal Kombat. I heard that was pretty good. Aaron, what do you got? Justin Allard. Justin Zhang. So for my Justin, I thought who could pull off the range that Justin portrays in this book from the buttoned up military guy to the unhinged Solaris champion. Right. And for me, I went with Steven Yoon. Modern day Steven Yoon, like from No and Beef. Cool. Yeah. Or notably from The Walking Dead. Oh. Yeah. 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 Steven Yoon. Okay. Okay. Totally. He'd be good. Oh, man. I didn't even think about him. That is pretty good. He would be good. I think, yeah, yeah. I think he'd be great. I approve. Okay. <laughs> I put, um, y'all ever seen Infernal Affairs? Y'all know that movie? Oh, yeah. One of yeah. my favorites. Yeah. Uh, I want that guy. I want, I want Andy Lau. Nice. Right? I was just like, oh, I just want, I want the guy from Infernal Affairs. I didn't even I think s- of him. He's, he'd be perfect. Yeah. I thought he'd be pretty good. I like that he'd guy. Be absolutely incredible for it. Heck yeah. Okay. I love this. This is coming together. <laughs> oh, he would be pretty good. You're right. Yeah, this is a good movie. All right. Okay. You got to go all out for the stack pole. Absolutely. He deserves it. So next on the list, and this one's, uh, I think, very important. You got to get this one right. We need a Patrick Kell, okay? Because he gets the big hero moment at the end with the sacrificial swooping in in the victor. It's uh, He plays a very important role, but yet not like overly featured. He'd be like a supporting Actor, you know, I'm thinking best supporting actor, uh, <laughs> Oscar for this role. We need a good Patrick Kell. Right, so, Brent, what do you got? What do you see? I'm real pleased with this one. This one was probably one of the shortest for me. I immediately thought of Jason Isaacs. He's uh, from the newer Star Trek Discovery. He played a Malfoy in uh, Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Yes. The Malfoy father, Lucius Malfoy. Oh, I wanted someone who looked sinister, but could give that charm that shines yeah. through. Like, not to say that he's like, he's not an ugly man. He's very handsome, but like, he, you know, he looks tough and rough. Throw on some prosthetic scars. And I think you could really like get a totally. good Patrick Kell out of him. In a Kellhounds uniform. Yeah. He'd look great. Yeah. All right. Aaron, what do you think? Talk to me. So I also thought about that as well. It's like, who could be tough, but be lovable enough to see through it? So I went for Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman? <laughs> Ron Perlman. <laughs> I thought he could sell the scene of like, we can't have the Archon designate crying for a mercenary like me. Perfectly. <laughs> this is what era, Perlman, Aaron? <laughs> oh, yeah, Pre- he's a long career. Or post- yeah, Hellboy. I would say I'd say post Hellboy Pearlman. Post Hellboy. Oh, man. Okay. This is gonna make your Morgan Kell difficult, though, man. I'm excited to see who you bounce off of Braun Perlman. I'm not saying it's bad. I think it's good. It's just man. It's just Aaron like, just really likes Ron Perlman, right? I That's do. what's <laughs> we know. He's yeah. He's a big Ron head. <laughs> he has had a long career. Ron Perlman's a heck of an actor, and he's done some wild stuff. Yeah. I like to think of him as wide Will Ferrell. 
<laughs> yeah. And he and he does have a huge screen presence though, right? He yes. commands yeah. this like whenever he's in a scene, Ron Perlman does. I mean, he really uh very it's commanding true. presence. So, you know what I thought of? And I just I don't know why. I, this is this is one of those that like I've had this the whole time, at least on like the reread, doing it for this show. And uh when I was reading it, I was like, dude, I would I totally want Ray Stevenson from like y'all seen Punisher Warzone. Oh my god. <laughs> I want I want him. I want like literally just pull him out of Punisher Warzone and put him in this movie. And he would do great. A dude with like oh. the hair. He's got he's got like the black hair combed back. Oh the the comb oh, yeah, back for perfect. sure. Yeah. Dude, I, yeah, yeah. I see it. It would sell that poker game scene. For sure. Perfectly. Oh, yeah. I can see him cheesing. He's got that big old smile. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Ray Stevenson is Patrick Hell. A piercing gaze as well, right? He's like a little Indeed. scary. It's yes. true. That, that man, it's all a, in the eyebrows. Yeah. It, it, it really is. <laughs> he's so scary in Punisher. That movie wasn't that good, but he was great in it. It's true. Sorry, Punisher Warzone fans. <laughs> oh. They know the truth. It's true. So, we got some guys. We got our heavies. We did Gray and Philip. We got our brothers, Dan and Justin, Patrick Kell. But we can't forget, this is a very Melissa-centric story. It is very important that we get a good Melissa Steiner, right? Absolutely. She's going to be front and center on the poster, for sure. So, Brent, who do you got? Who's your Melissa? What are you thinking? Oh, man, this one was early on. Because me and you had a conversation, we were talking about these books, like the whole reason that we have this podcast, right? And uh, we were like throwing back and forth, we were like, who do you see for Melissa Steiner? And I like, I just kind of inserted a generic blonde, but that day I like dug around in some of my head, I'm like, who looks like this person I've created? And it is unequivocally my second kick-ass pick. Again, the movie. I'm not just being, uh, you know, not just patting myself on the back. That's right. Chloe Grace Moretz. Okay. Like, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's my uh, Melissa Steiner pick. I like her. I haven't seen her in a while. But yeah, she's okay. I like it. She has the look, but I also think she's got the range. I think she can do the princess, but she can do the tough girl thing too. She could totally do nobility. I exactly. Think. Well, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. I buy it. Aaron, what do you think? What'd you write? So I also went with the idea of who could pull off sci-fi nobility. And for that, I went with Alexandra D'Addario. Like oh. young Alexandra D'Addario. From like True Detective season one. Oh, yeah. She yes. was the mistress. Yes. And I was thinking the earlier acting career for her, like so the pre Percy Detective. Jackson yeah, era yeah, yeah. version I gotcha. of her. Oh, okay. I see it. I'm looking. Yeah, dude, she'd be great. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Alexandra D'Adrio. I can see it. I can see like the grace. Totally. Okay. I'm be honest with you. I wrote Hillary Duff. Whoa. I don't, uh, I don't know. I just uh, I was like, man, I want Hillary. The I Duff. I haven't, I haven't seen her in a while. I miss her. Somebody call Hillary. What's she doing? What I, is I, I she doing? Think... I don't even think this is bad. I actually, man, I'm with. I think we could really push these units too, right? Because it's like everyone else probably wants to know what is Hillary. She shows up in a movie trailer. Dude, this is a great idea. 
Yeah. Now she is. Now, what is it? Melissa is like in her late teens in this book as well. But you get it. I think we're all in the same zone, which is we need. It is important. We get an actress that can do, uh, you know, the princess thing. She has to do the scenes where she's like talking to herself and like freaking out and then trying to command the battle. Uh, Shooting a ninja through her holster. Right? Like while she lays in like the rubble of a command center. Yeah, for sure. All right. Okay. Man, these are turning out, these are some of the best I think we've ever done. All of them are. pretty good. There's not any of them where I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. I mean, we did get a little close to Busey and apparently (laughs) we will get closer. So I am, maybe I'm talking a little too soon, but so far, so good. Yeah, I've still got picks left. That's true. That's true. It's not over till Aaron finishes his picks. All right. So, and of course, I didn't forget. We got to cast Andy. Andrew Redburn. My man. That's our guy. So we need a good Andy. Okay, Brent, what do you got? Who we calling? What do you see? Okay, hear me out on this one. I feel like this is my oddest pick because he actually was originally, of all people, my Capet pick. And uh, I swapped it at the last minute. And I think it's because of the range, but uh, especially because of that new Top Gun movie. I haven't seen it. I've just seen the trailer enough. And uh, Miles Teller. Miles Teller is my Andy Redburn. Miles Teller. Yes. From Whiplash. From From Whiplash. I think, you know, he can do that. Like uh, he can do the mom spaghetti. But he can also do the like, hey, I'm I'm gonna command Tiger Squad and like, clack, like I got this princess. Oh, I'm looking at some recent photos. He's grown a mustache. Indeed, this is this is one of the reasons I was like, hmm, he could be a good capet, not just the mustache, but oh, he was in that new Top Gun. Apparently, he was. I, yes. I, I haven't seen that yet. I heard that was good. Interesting. I heard they used real jets, which did intrigue me more than a sequel to a very old movie. Real jets. We love them. We would use real jets in this movie as well. That's true. Real mechs, too. Real jets, real mechs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, like I saw, I saw Battletech. A lot of jets in that movie. It yeah. kept calling everybody dirt pigs. Yeah. I thought there'd be more robots. I don't know. It's cool. Aaron, Andrew Redburn. What are you thinking? So for my Andrew Redburn, I wanted somebody who could pull off the awkward and social situations, but action-based when it started cooking off there. So I went with Tom Hopper from Black Sails, mm. Game of Thrones, the Netflix series Umbrella Academy. Tom Hopper. Oh, I see it. Okay, very strong, broad-jawed gentleman. Totally. Broad-shouldered. Okay, he's totally got the hero. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, all right. This guy, I see we're in the uh, man. Especially in those early scenes. Yeah, when he's like posted up, when you first see him and he's posted yeah, up yeah, in, yeah. Like the, in like the door frame. And it's like, of course I hit that kid. Yeah. Tom Hopper looks like a guy who's got a mean lean game. Oh yeah, leaning on the door frame. Totally. That's a good look. Oh yeah. You know, check it out. Try it on your house, you know, lean on some door frames. <laughs> it's cool. Especially if you have a spouse, they love it. They love Talk it. Talk to them from the door frame. I'm, I'm telling you, if you haven't done it, try it. That's my recommendation. Lean on various door frames in your household. <laughs> oh, so Andy Redburn. I was thinking I wanted the guy from 
Avatar. Sam Worthington, you know, Ooh, just the just the hero right. from yeah, the main character from Avatar. I thought he'd be good. I thought it'd be fine. I uh, I don't know. I was sitting here thinking about it, and I just uh, I was like, you know what? I think that guy's all right. Jake Sully. <laughs> We're all barking you know, up the same tree here. Let's give him a shot. Yep. He, he did Avatar. Let's put him in BattleTech. Let's put him in BattleTech. <laughs> you know, let's put him in a real movie. <laughs> <laughs> this will make up for Terminator Salvation. Oh, is it the same guy? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even realize. That's funny. It will. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Don't worry. Not a lot of people realize who's in Terminator Salvation. <laughs> no. No one saw it. <laughs> I did. I saw it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw. I, I see some you, of Terminator it. Salvation. I get it though. Like we've got like the same idea with he's kind of like a young heroic type. Except for I, I do like Brent. Your Miles Teller. He's like handsome, kind of in that off kilter. He's not quite. Me and Aaron picked like yeah, this guy is you know this guy's traditionally handsome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I, I like I like Brent. Was like you know what? Let's get Miles. He's like a little bit goofier, a little bit interesting. Oh I yeah. like that. Okay. I wanted Miles the, the goofy. The goofiness was important for oh, me. Oh, what about okay. like a Shia LaBeouf? I just, this is, this is. This, this is so is funny. Improv. Shia LaBeouf was totally, I, I, it was between him and. Yeah, they're in the same zone. Yes, you know? for sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. For okay. sure. I could see it for with, uh, if, if you're going for that take. Interesting. All right. I love it. Okay. So those are all of our kind of main characters. They're going to get a lot of screen time. But I got a couple of picks, some fan favorites I wanted to talk about. So first and foremost, we got to do Cat Wilson, right? Oh, yeah. Cat Wilson. He's so cool. He's the, the best. The coolest. Brent, who do you got for Cat Wilson? Well, I needed a man, okay, who could PPC an elevated panther in a yeah. marauder, right? Yeah. I needed someone yeah, yeah. that just... That charisma, a cool da- vest. that daring, the guy that can make the couch look cool. He's laying on the couch, a little sweaty. Yeah, posted up, just like posted up, buff, big chest, cool, but also tough. He's got that real sergeant, sergeant thing going on. Exactly. Military guys, you know what I mean. Michael Jai White from Michael Black Jai Dynamite. White? Michael Jai you White. Pick, you pick Michael Jai White. Indeed. I also picked Michael Jai White. No way. Yes way. (laughs) That's insane. Let's go. Well, I'll complicate things here with it because I also picked Michael Jai White. Get the hell out of here. Get out of Uh, here. The second he showed up, I pegged Michael Jai White. You heard it here, folks. It's official. Cat Wilson is Michael Jai White, <laughs> Black Dynamite. This is insane. This has never happened. This is unprecedented. unprecedented. Yes, unprecedented. We haven't even had. Have we even Dude. have a? Have we even had a double? Let alone a triple up. This is insane. This is okay by unanimous decision. Cat Wilson is Michael Jai White because of course he is. That dude rules. <laughs> he does. He's the best. Oh man, certified Cat Wilson. Let's go. We need him in more stuff. He plays that tiger guy. Bronze tiger. Oh, bronze tiger. Bronze tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need yeah, more. I'm just saying Michael Hollywood White, and Hollywood adjacent services. He was spawn, dude. He was spawn. <laughs> Michael Jai White, he rules. Clearly, we will accept no one else. We will we will yep. delay 
the release of this movie to That's line right. up with his schedule. Like we're actually we are scheduling around Michael Jai White at this point. That's right. That is an absolute non-negotiable. Apparently, non-negotiable. Yeah, that's, we we will only make this movie. We get Michael Jai White, or we walk away. Yeah, or we walk. <laughs> or we okay? walk. Yeah. And it's like, how many scenes is he in? He's like, I don't know, like four of them. there's some of the best scenes though yeah (laughs) it's it's, it's actually true he gets the coolest like some of the coolest moments dude yeah when he busts through the doors and shoots the it's sick he's in a marauder michael jai white in the marauder come on it's true come on in the in the black and red game recognizes game you know what i'm saying come on (laughs) it's over fan favorite all right. That's incredible. I still got a couple more. I wanted to bring up. I wanted to mention. Do you remember Eric Mahler? Do you guys remember Eric Mahler? We can't oh. forget Eric Mahler. Okay. I mean, I kind of did, but then you were like, hey, we, I want to do Mahler. And I was I like, did, I, I, did. I respect I, it. I sent them a I respect list it. and told them, yeah, that they have to cast. And please, Brent, who did you put down for Eric Mahler? I had a real time with this. I ended up with this guy, Michael... McElla Hatton. He's in this film I saw. He plays a general in The Siege of Jadotsville. Great movie, by the way. If you've seen it, like, okay. there's dozens I of see, us, okay. I'm sure. Michael McElla Hatton. All right. Yeah. I'm seeing it. Yeah, because he's like a Lyran retired Hauptman. Right. I wanted someone who had that, like, Rieger but stout kind of. Like military man thing. Like he got out and probably became a little extra military than he actually really was when he was in. It's from uh, Aliena. Maybe he like (laughs) this little plot of land, starts a little farm or something with his wife. Remember Hilda? Don't forget Hilda. Hilda. Aaron, Eric Mahler. What do you got? I want to know. When I was thinking about who would be my Eric Mahler, thought who would be good at ruining a luxury cruise dinner? (laughs) Yeah. And also could hand a gun to a 16-year-old. What a hell of so an for, angle. <laughs> I love for it. For my pick, <laughs> oh no. That's where no. I had oh, no. to throw in the Buse. No. Gary Busey is Eric <laughs> no. Mahler. Oh my god, I we walked I walked right into it. Absolutely not. <laughs> this is Absolutely incredible. Dude, not. Can you see him at at the dinner with Andy and, and Melissa, and he's just like he's like cutting his steak, you know, <laughs> yep. pointing. I feel like this he's is pointing unhinged. the fork at Andy, yeah. you know, like yeah. So, uh, what, uh, what do you think about that, Justin John? Yeah, that Justin, huh? <laughs> oh my God, that would be insane. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I'm so glad I made them do this. <laughs> You know, that you've had filet mignon, but have you had mignon mifflade? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, I love, you, you You see Andy, like, stomp off, but the camera lingers on the table. And, you know, and I feel like Gary is like, what? You know what? Uh, yeah, what, what did I say? Did I say something? Huh? <laughs> oh, my God. You're a madman. I feel like that's not the last Busey. Like, this is just going to be, Busey's going to be a recurring. It's, like, it's very it's possible. Like, yeah, multiple characters throughout. You know what's funny? I actually didn't. I thought about it. I wasn't sure. I realized I just really wanted to hear what they would say. Honestly, that's <laughs> what I made them. I uh, I did. I was like, man, who do you? Uh, and this is funny. This will come. Listen, remember Eric Mahler, please. So ominous, 
ominous. Yeah, <laughs> it's not ominous. It's just a. It's a. I reminder. mean, you made it sound hey, ominous. I've said it so many times now. <laughs> I know. Just at this point, it, it's for the audience too. Don't forget about Eric. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So we got one last pick. All right. Do you guys remember Brevet Captain Nick Jones? Huh? How could I feel we forget? Like he's so he like I I think he only appears in this book. At least he's featured the most in this book. I'm pretty sure, and he gets so many cool moments with the surprise party, and he's like, ah, he fakes the heart attack, and they he's so charming. Oh my god! And when the uh, Sortek and uh, the general show up, and he's there <laughs> dressed in the officer, you know, and he's like. He's sweating. He's so nervous. He's afraid he's going to get in trouble. I love all of his scenes are great. I love this character. He was like sneakily one of my favorite. And then, of course, he shows up in the mech bay with the Inferno launcher. Nick Jones. I was like, man, if we're going to I need to know, Brent, who do you got? Nick Jones. Well, I wanted someone a little squirrely, the kind of guy that comes back into a firefight after having fled with yeah. a Inferno launcher, you know, that kind of guy. And so naturally my mind wandered to Evan Peters from like the first yeah. season of American. I yeah. think he was on American Horror Story for a while. I stopped watching, but uh, uh, X-Men, he played uh, Quicksilver, I believe. Quicksilver. He also did like Jeffrey Dahmer recently, didn't he? Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. that's right. Yeah. He was yeah. Dahmer. That's true. Nick, okay. Yeah. I like Evan. All right. That I can see it. You're right, because he, yeah, and he can do like nervous squirreliness really well. But then, yeah, come back with the launcher and uh, heck yeah. All right, I'm chill with it. I'm chill with it. All right, Aaron, what do you think? What do you see? So unlike our Michael Jai White pick, <laughs> I'm in a different ball field here, and <laughs> I was thinking who could pull off that like nervous, constantly being pranked yeah. by everyone he knows, but. Yeah is a few days away from retirement. So for mine, I went with Tim Blake Nelson. Uh, Blake like Nelson. from Oh Brother Where Art Thou era, Tim Blake Nelson. <laughs> oh, he's one of the three yeah. main... Oh, I see here. Oh, Tim Blake Nelson. Okay, different ballpark. Aaron, this is a different sport. This is, this is a different <laughs> sport. This is... Oh, man. Tim Blake Nelson. Okay. All right. Nick Jones, right, because he is retiring. You know, this so is, he's like... You're right. He's a little older. That makes yeah. more sense. I didn't think about the retiring aspect. It's fine. But you're right. He is a little older. This is still wild, though, Aaron. This one's wild for you. <laughs> this is cool. I think I this is more wild than Busey, actually. But I respect it. I respect it. No, you it. know what? I think this is good, actually. <laughs> I don't need this. This guy, you know, he's a good actor. And yeah, I can see it. You know, he's retiring. He's with the Kellhounds. Oh, down in the Mech Bay. Pat and the yeah. Jenner being like, I call this one invincible kind of stuff. I do like okay. th- this does make the Katana thing way more cool. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. Like old Henry in his bunk with the Katana, you He's know got what I'm the saying? Katana. Yeah. 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 Okay. You know who I want? Y'all know Carl Urban? Huh? Huh? <laughs> I want Carl. I got to get Carl. He's the best. He's the man. Honestly, when I was reading this book, I was like, dude, I think Carl Urban would kill. As a, but he, he could, would nail the Inferno rocket scene. Yeah, exactly. All of his, uh, he can also do nervous like really well when he's <laughs> a, yeah, when he's in the uniform. It's when like, I'm not going to get in trouble. Am I kind of, it's, uh, I love 
Carl Urban, and uh, I feel like he's underutilized and appreciated. I totally respect this pick for Carl. This is awesome. I do as well. I'm I actually straight up. Oh, I don't know. I might save Carl. <laughs> I got some ideas for you, Carl. Yeah, that's all. I just wanted to say that. I just wanted to say Carl Urban as Judge Dredd. Nick Jones. <laughs> but that's it. These were great. I thought this was the best one yet. Oh I yeah, this so. would be, this be a great movie. This would kill. I would go see this for sure. Yeah, we would spend like, oh my god, we would blow the budget like immediately. It's like <laughs> huge flop. <laughs> After I've like made them literally make physical mechs for all of the uh, units here. Yeah. You know, how many how many destroyed Panthers? <laughs> I love the idea of our Warrior On Guard movie being one of those like overly ambitious, over budget, <laughs> kind of like vanity projects that doesn't it's a it's this like cultural <laughs> I, I I like oh like, oh like uh like what's his name's kind dude? Of a disaster. Jodorowsky's dude. Yeah. Jodorowsky's yeah. dude. We could never yeah. get it off the ground. They were too. They couldn't <laughs> agree on anything. They held up the entire production on Michael Jai White's schedule. <laughs> it was a disaster. Yeah, they demanded that actual working mechs be created. It cost like a billion dollars. <laughs> it's uh. It was. <laughs> we didn't know how to use cameras. <laughs> They catch a hangar on fire in like Uganda. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's uh, they refused any CGI, all it, practical it, effects. It causes an international incident. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, they built a working PPC. Did you hear that? <laughs> Where they they learned how to do it from Chat GPT. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is great. I love it. So that's it, though. That concludes the hiring hall for Warrior On Guard. I love it. This was great. But this is of mechs and men. So we casted our men. But uh, now we got to talk about these mechs. That's right. Because it's time for us to head over to our next segment, Mech of the Book. All right, boys, it's time. We have to talk about the mech of the book. So, Warrior On Guard, mech of the book. I'll start, okay? Because I was thinking about it, and, well, I didn't have to think very long, because I think that the Rifleman has to be the mech of the book. The Rifleman is featured so prominently. There's multiple Riflemen in this story, and... Even though I will say that you like you think, oh, it's going to be Yen Lo Wang, right? But if you think about it, we get more rifleman action than Yen Lo Wang. We don't even really get that much Yen Lo Wang overall. And then in the final match, Justin uses the legend killer. He pulls out a rifleman to fight Capet in a rifleman. And then <laughs> earlier... He did what we said was the coolest fight in the book is when he uses Yen Lo Wang to kill Billy Wolfson in a rifleman. There's so many riflemen. And then there's the plot point 
Justin loses his arm in a fight with a rifleman, which we, we learned was the legend killer. But it's just, when I was thinking about it, I thought, man, it's got to be the rifleman. It plays such a big role. Huh? What do you think? I agree with you completely. To yes. me, this was a no-brainer. It was rifleman yes. all the way through. And later, we'll even talk about an email that said the exact same thing verbatim, saying that the rifleman is the plot of the book. Yeah. The whole thing kicks off because of a rifleman. It's the rifleman and book. So much of the story revolves around the rifleman here. We get so many cool scenes with the rifleman. To me, it, it just was hands down. You guys caught me with the format here because I totally didn't pick the rifleman for my back wow. of the book. Well, I was in between two mechs. I inevitably landed on the Valkyrie. Here's the thing. Okay. I'm going to come clean. Aaron's usually going to play this bit, but I was like, I knew in my heart of hearts, the rifleman was going to win this one. So I, I went for the protest vote. I was like, what's the mech I feel like I can throw out here that yeah. isn't the rifleman. Okay. And uh, originally I was like, the victor was my pick, but okay. I came down to eventually the Valkyrie. I was like, the Valkyrie is going to be my the pick Valkyrie. for mech of the book. Interesting. It doesn't get a lot of airtime later. And I'm always, that's one of the things that's going to be, that's <laughs> always kind of in my mind when I'm like, oh, what's a mech that gets highlighted that doesn't get a lot of love later on and that's i don't true. feel like the valkyrie gets a lot of love later on so that's why it's my pick it's cool the iconic scene at the very beginning where the valkyrie is like jumping over the rifleman i think is a very powerful scene obviously a lot of people might be like the alternative probably should have been yen lo wang but i think yen lo wang definitely gets it gets multiple opportunities to be Mech of the Book. In fact, I know which one I'm already voting for it going to be Mech of the Book. So my pick's the Valkyrie. I'll bow out now. <laughs> it's it's okay to be wrong. <laughs> Wait, now, also, don't forget, Dan is in the Valkyrie when he does that suicide charge. Yeah, which was very cool. Yeah, so we get some bookends. We get Valkyrie bookends. Very <laughs> bookends, Valkyrie very bookends. End. Yeah. It's true. The Allard boys in their Valkyries. It's funny because it's kind of like a rarer mech. So it's, I like to think that Quintus had a hand in both of them getting them. He's like, I want my boys in some Valkyries. <laughs> so despite Brent's protest, it's pretty obviously the rifleman here. Well, that's it. Let's... He said it. <laughs> it's over. No fight required for this one. <laughs> so let's talk about the rifleman a little bit here. We've we've covered it. We've talked about it now, both in the Great Death Legion and Warrior. But let's take a little dive into it. It's very hard to say something nice about the Rifleman. Oh, it looks great. <laughs> I love the look kidding. of the Rifleman. It is just the art for it. All of it. All of the art for it is, uh, you know, except for the re-scene arts. Uh, it's, it's real eh. But the rest of it. The pre-recene and the modern rifleman arc is just unbelievably great, as well as the uh, the Mech Warrior slash BattleTech the game renditions. They're all just—it's cool. It's an anti-aircraft gun with legs. It's inherently cool. Yeah, and we've seen riflemen before because obviously we can't—you know—we can't forget our boy <laughs> Davis, Davis McCall. McCall. Yeah. 
We can't forget Davis. We've already had some rifleman action. So I think that's also a point in its favor. You know, I think it deserves, we've talked about it so much on the show. Let's get it in the mech of the book. <laughs> also in honor of Davis McCall, because the rifleman's cool and you got all that equipment on it. You got that D2J tracking system. Don't forget, remember the Garrett T11 comm system. <laughs> huh? It's got both. It's got some sweet gear. On there. It does. It is exceptional. I was talking earlier, just to be fun. I actually, I actually, actually really do like the rifleman. It's good at what it does. And as the errors progress, I actually think it goes from being like eh, kind of okay and a second or third line mech that's kind of relegated for anti air to being like a pretty proper mech. And you're right. It's like targeting computer and it's electronic suite. They go a long way. Well, it's a shame because I've tried so many times to make a rifleman work in the board game. <laughs> I've tried so hard and it does. It, it just, at least in this era, as you were saying, it does later on. There's variants that are great. But in the 3025 era, man, it is just so hard to manage it. it it's it, The heat is such a problem on that thing. And it can't move well for it, but the idea of the rifleman still rules. The heat is only a problem if you're a coward. <laughs> <laughs> what is a problem regardless is, uh, as mentioned as a plot point in this book, the back armor. Yep. It's, yeah, uh, the, the it back is, armor does seem it, to be a bit of a liability. Which is, even if it's been pushed into frontline service, it's still going to be used as a flanker or a sniper, but it's going to definitely have to literally watch its back. Luckily, we know that it has a way to do so from light mechs coming in, backstabbing it, because it doesn't take much. All it means is that the light mech and the rifleman die that round. <laughs> it's true rifleman pilots do it against the wall <laughs> <laughs> i do think out of the context of BattleTech lore but like into just the board game i do think it's a great mech to throw new players for them to get a sense of the game because they have to manage everything and be aware of every part of the mech and so it's great to see it in the starter set that's at target right with the battletech essentials box because i really do think even though they don't have full record sheets in that box i do think taking a rifleman and giving it to a new player is a great way to teach them the game yes oh yeah you'll learn some things real quick with it okay so <laughs> that's perfect because i wanted to ask I want to nominate a rifleman, but can it be specifically Legend Killer? Can Legend Killer be <laughs> mech of the book? Am I allowed just to say Legend Killer? But we also established that Legend Killer is just a regular rifleman, right? Didn't right. you say that? That was an interesting... It's well, not special. It's, it's official. In fact, on a live stream, it was recently, I want to say, I might be incorrect about which live screen. I think it was Adepticon. Ray Arastia actually says that because people were asking, does Legend Killer have lost tech? It's actually, it's been kind of a, one of those like undercurrent conversations for a long yeah. time. And Ray came back with a resounding no. No? Legend Killer, it's just a stock Rifleman 3N. Now, that doesn't mean that 
Gray Newton hasn't made small uh, modifications to bundles or controls and stuff like that. But for all intents and purposes in the board game, this is a Rifleman 3N. Doesn't Legend Killer have a record sheet in the box? Yeah, well, it's a half record sheet. So in the essentials box, those aren't full. Those are basically beginner box record sheets. In fact, they don't even deal with heat, if I recall. But in that box, it is just a Rifleman 3N to further back up what Ray uh, is saying. But I mean, the buck stops with Ray on that anyway. That's interesting. The quote on the Gray Noten card does not appear in this book. Oh, what is it? <laughs> After so long on top, even being champion can begin to feel like a dead end. A warrior needs challenges to conquer. Mm-hmm. Justin's quote is, don't count on getting that mech regiment Prince Davian has promised for my head. Oh, it's actually, it's what he says when with the last time he goes to the Valhalla Club and they get in that argument. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that's it. Legend Killer is mech of the book for warrior on guard. Is that right? Are we cool with it? I got no I'm problem with it. it. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that's justice. Legend Killer and by extension... Just all riflemen's. <laughs> and yeah, uh, as that you've already it. mentioned, if you want a little legend killer on your shelf, you know, Battletech Essentials, you can get it. How cool is that? I love that. <laughs> you can get a little legend killer. Not just legend killer, but also it comes with a free Yenlo Wang. Yes. <laughs> but with the rifleman being such an easy choice for us here as Mech the Book, Kanan, what would you have as like a runner up since Brent fought for the Valkyrie? And we didn't let him. <laughs> Do you, what would you say would be the backup if the rifleman wasn't so prevalent in the story? Oh, I mean, it's got to be Yen Lo Wang, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's iconic. It's Justin's mech. It's like a big thing. He steals the. It does get cool moments. It does, it does. get maybe does. the coolest moment. He stabs the rifleman and it explodes. And he's got the Pontiac AC twenty. He took the missiles out. He put the Pontiac on it. It's got a claw. It's cool. It is cool. The Yenlo Wang, here's the thing, though. Like I was saying earlier, the Yenlo Wang, it is slated to win. It will win Mecha the Book. Probably not too far from now. That's literally my only reason for not fighting for Yenlo Wang, is I feel like, even though it's cool in this book, even though I get where it's, a, I can I can see it being a runner up. I don't think this is with the with the context I have. I don't think this is the Yen Lo Wang book. <laughs> this is, I think, as we've aptly said, the Legend Killer book, though for sure. Legend Killer, rest in peace. So I would pose since I've already posed the Valkyrie. I would actually counter your runner up with I think the Panther, actually. Oh, the Panther. The lowly panther. The lowly panther, because the panther, you want to talk about quote-unquote screen time. <laughs> the panther is, uh, it spends a lot of time getting exploded. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, I think there are more panthers in this book than anything else. So maybe by, yeah. by virtue of quantity. <laughs> Definitely over quality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this book really goes to show, like, there is no number of Panthers you can throw at something to solve a problem. The more you throw, the more you lose. Yeah, but House Karita has been trying for 300 years. I think they call that the sunken Panther cost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be hard 
to nominate the Panther as mech of the book with how many times it gets humiliated here. It would be a much better fit for our next segment as a D-lister. All right, boys, you know what time it is. It's time for the D-list. And if you don't know, the D-list is where uh, we take a little time to nominate and talk about maybe some of those lower tier characters, characters who we think really meant a lot to us or had an impact on the book or we disliked for any reason in particular, really. There are no hard and fast rules here, just... uh this is this is the D-list. They're usually on the sidelines. They're usually not the main show. And if they are, it's only for a brief passing of time. This is the remembrance. We're here to remember <laughs> some D-listers. Don't forget about the little guy. We have the big characters, big personalities. They go on. They affect the plot. But in these books, there are so many characters that just come and go. And as always, we like to take a little time to talk about those guys. Just remember some dudes. So me personally, I mean, listen, the D-lister for this book, I mean, come on. It's awesome pilot, right? Right? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> awesome. It's awesome pilot. You think this so? This was easier than the rifleman decision. It's awesome pilot all the cool, way. It's right? by, by a long shot. Unanimous it's just decision. Not even... Unanimous decision. <laughs> we all knew it the second we talked about awesome pilots fight. It, it was because just like, this is D-lister for the ages. I don't know if I pointed this out yet, but on the cover of the newest printing of Warrior On Guard, I realized that it is a depiction of the victor fighting the awesome from that scene. And you can see the awesome pilot ejecting. If you look on there, he's literally on the cover. You see the gets little away. guy. Yeah, he gets away. Crucial. He, gets he, away. Made, he made the cover. That's peak D-lister. He, he made, made the, the cover. cover. He's literally on the cover <laughs> of the book. Also, this is going to be our first assault mech. Better yet, our first living D-lister. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought <laughs> I was going to say. That's true. It's yeah. unprecedented. <laughs> our first living. He a- made it out. According to the cover. <laughs> He's ejecting on the cover, and I can only assume there's a victor, right? Like, destroying an awesome on the cover. That only (laughs) happens at that part. So, it must be Awesome Pilot. It has to be Awesome Pilot. Now, so what I was getting at, though, this is our first assault mech in the D-listers. We're eventually going to do the D-lister brawl. So, we have a panther, a bunch of stingers... And now we have this juicy awesome. So that's going to be fun whenever we get to that. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> Long odds on the light mechs there. But <laughs> well, good thing we'll be balancing by battle value. So someone's. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting fight. Now, listen, I've discovered something important. You know, I've mentioned the Kellhound source book several times up to this point. And I remember that in that episode when we talked about Awesome Pilot. I said, man, I wish this guy had a name. Ladies and gentlemen, you won't believe this. This scenario is depicted in the Kellhound source book. And Awesome Pilot 
has a name. So you're telling me when Awesome Pilot is in a source book, he does have a name. He does have a name. (laughs) 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 When in Awesome... (laughs) Yes. 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 (laughs) And he is Shosa Tigna Zatka. And oh, he has, he's a Polish Koreaan. It does. It does sound like it is not. Yes, his name is Tigna Zatka, and he has Gunnery Two piloting two. He's a killer. Oh, oh man, man. <laughs> that's gonna up his battle value. Yes, a this man's a legend. <laughs> he's on the cover of the book. His name is Tigna Zatka. His name is Tigna Zatna. I don't know. He might still just be awesome pilot to me. I've gone this long with him being awesome pilot, but with a with a two piloting, he's pretty he's pretty good. An awesome pilot. It just I, goes to show it's kind of amazing the fact that he has a two. He's two two. Like that just goes to show you how like like Sortec just was is just a Chad yeah, in a mech. He's a killer. Listen, I couldn't believe it. I have been waiting since I read that. Listen, I couldn't believe it. I just, I got everything I wanted. This never happens. I was just like, man, I wish this guy Battletech once again delivers. This is the kind of stuff you get with Battletech, right? This is the kind of rewards that, I mean, it's, it's just, I was moved emotionally. <laughs> I do wish I was there when you found that. Just to see like the scene in your house as you ran yeah, up to your I, wife and was like, he awesome pilot's got a name. Yeah, I woke the kids up. It was uh yeah. It got crazy. That's it's incredible. Tignazotka. He's our D-lister. Tignazotka in the awesome. Thank you. We did it. We even know what it looks like. It's on the cover. That's the D-list. That was the shortest one yet. We're all, yeah. by unanimous decision, <laughs> we nominate the awesome pilot, Tignazotka, as the D-lister for Warrior On Guard. There it is. Thank you for playing. <laughs> Speaking of playing, it's about time for me and Print to embarrass ourselves again. In our next <laughs> segment, Trivia. All right, boys, it's time for your favorite segment. It's time for trivia. Huh? Are you ready? Are you excited? (laughs) They love trivia. They love it. They're always asking me, can you, oh man, I can't wait to do more trivia. So excited (laughs) to do the trivia. They're always saying this. (laughs) I have prepared some questions. And for the sake of the listener, I should inform them that I can see you guys. I can see Brent and Aaron. So I can see them put their hands up. So I will ask a question. The first one to get your hand up, I will call on you, and uh, let's see if you get it right. And if you get it right, you get a point. Man, what if you lost points when you got it wrong? Then Brent would have <laughs> negative points. Yeah, we could. Yeah, you, you. So would you though? I wouldn't answer though. I would just game <laughs> would the just system. Have, I would let you. You would lose. just have less negative points. I'd get one uh, right, and then I just put my hand down for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, you could see your point differential over the season though. Yep. So, are you ready? As ready as I'm going to get. Excellent. (laughs) Let's begin. My first question. On Kittery, when Justin and Andy 
take the cadre out on patrol, what mech is Andy piloting? Oh, no. Right out the gate. Brent. Is it a spider? It is a spider. Brent is correct. Yes. Good job. Andy is piloting a spider in that scene. Now. (laughs) Aaron's on the back foot. During the ambush, Justin seemingly abandons his company to go check out a sensor reading. He has a feeling. Which direction did Justin go? Aaron. West? West is correct. Justin went west. (laughs) I definitely thought it was to the north. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yeah, that comes up multiple times. He goes to the west. I think it even comes back up during the trial. Yes, he goes west. Pretty good. Oh, how about this? Justin's code phrase for his mech is Zhejiang Feng Tiao Zhao. Brent, what does it mean? This room is too small. Correct. This Damn. room is too small. That's you were, correct. You were, I you was were too real slow. You were too. I, I like knew I ha- I couldn't let him finish because you. Would, I know. I. Be... I, <laughs> I fought with honor. This here. is. Is this gonna be a? <laughs> Don't. Is this we're be a only. Tight one? We're only three questions in. Don't <laughs> jinx us here. Oh, you think he's? You think Kanan's doing like kind of like a fault? He's like reeling us in. Yeah. Like these I told for... <laughs> you. I try. To, I try to write nice questions. You mean easy <laughs> questions? I knew that room is too small would be really easy because I don't know. I think that's very memorable. It is. That was the one I was like, that one's, that one's going to be a, a speed test. How about this one? When Gray Noten is meeting with Sen Shang for the first time in the Valhalla Club, Shang is eating this fruit from this Capellan planet. Do you guys remember the name of the fruit that Sen Shang is eating in that scene? thought you were going to ask the beer, and I had uh, it. Oh. I was ready for the beer. Oh, I, it, it was fleshy, right? Yeah. I remember it being fleshy and that being gross. It, it, uh, the thing is, is I, ha- like, I don't have the right answer, but I, I've got the vein of it. What do you think? Oh, something like the Namcha fruit? Oh, oh that that's sounds- close. He didn't get it. I, uh, he didn't get it. No. It's the Kincha fruit. Kinship fruit. That, I knew I was. Were, I was on were, the right trail. You were, really you were in that. Yeah, pretty good. Now, I mean, we've given me half points. For no, that no. I'm going. To, I only I got the. Know. If I got the first syllable, but I got the you second got the syllable. cha. You got the cha. Interesting. You know what? I'll take a note of that just in case it's. Uh, I'm losing. A t- so. a tie for a tiebreaker. Okay. Yeah. Now, okay. <laughs> in that scene, what does Sin Shang order for Gray? He orders a drink for him. Aaron. Damn it! Damn it! A PPC. <laughs> What does Gray order instead? A Tim. Oh, oh I had I have my hand up already. He did. <laughs> it's a Timbiki Dark. Correct. <laughs> Do we both get a point there? Yes. <laughs> I, I didn't raise. I just started yelling. I like how that played out. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> Plus, Brent really just wanted to say Timbiki Dark. I, I really he did. did. He already. I was like this one. <laughs> we received a listener question from one. Ganglo-Saxon. Ganglo-Saxon asks, what did Noten quietly tell the bartender when Kim wanted to try a PPC? Oh. This is a good question. Aaron. Did he say to make it half strength? Correct. That's right. Oh, man. He tells him to water it down by half strength. I actually looked this up. 
Oh, so she gets a light PPC. Yes, <laughs> she gets a light PPC. I think I, I think I missed this. I actually had to go back to the book, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it totally says that." Kim walks up. She says she'll have a PPC too. The bartender smiled as Noten, standing behind the Contessa, signaled the man to dilute the drink by half. Aaron it coming says in that. with the uh, the deep cut. Very for good the episode. He's right. Is that one worth two points? I feel like that's a that's a that's a hard one. Two point. Why would, do you want to help him out? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> but I think I'm. It was a little Higira. How about this? When Katrina is meeting with Gina Clay, Gina admits that she actually met Katrina on a world when she was a young girl, where Katrina there was an assassination attempt. Do you remember the name of the world, Brent? Uh, I don't think this is right, but I remember this world coming up, so I'm going to say it. Summer? It's not Summer. No. Damn it. This it is even another gets mentioned one. It's later another by Danica yep, and it Clovis. Does. Yep. does it have, is it like a, is it like a German word? No. Well, Linda? no. I don't think okay. so. No. I, it, I don't know. It begins with a P, right? She. He. Yes, it does. It does. Man, I'm so bad with names. Yeah, I didn't try. I just remembered this came up a lot. And I, when, it I, when did. I was scrolling it through the book, I thought this would be And then like, you told oh, us yeah. to remember it. You guys remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Polesbo. Polesbo. <laughs> That's right. Pol- I do bow. remember it. Yeah, it's Polesbo. Polesbo. It comes up a few times. That's the only reason I was like, oh, yeah, they keep talking about Polesbo. <laughs> I, I That's remember where the there first was, letter. <laughs> there was an assassination <laughs> attempt. Okay. Justin's first opponent is actually Billy Wolfson who he kills later when Wolfson is in a rifleman. However, the first time he faces him, he is not in a rifleman. What is Wolfson piloting? Brent. A Hermes 2. Correct. It's a Hermes 2. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. That one was... I, I, oh, I knew you were... <laughs> I didn't even... I was like, I'm not going to beat you off the line here. I saved the energy. <laughs> Kept my hand rested. <laughs> Do either of you guys remember the name of the Griffin pilot? That Justin oh, killed in the factory. No, no, he just said it. He just said it. Aaron Armstrong. That's correct. It's Peter Armstrong. Ah, he prepped us for that one. He did minutes ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, remember Peter Armstrong. And what was the name of his mech brand? It's a you Griffin. know that one. No, what was yep. the name of it? Yeah, what was oh, the name Ares. of Armstrong's yep. mech? Ares. Ares. I That's not a point, that though, right? No. Uh, Very no, good. Okay. I asked the question. <laughs> I just knew you knew that one. <laughs> I never what, forget a Griffin. What was the model of Kim's car? Aaron. A hurricane. Hurricane is correct. Kim drove a hurricane. And if you recall, Gray Noten drove a typhoon. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Brent, what are you going to say? Tornado. No. Is not a model of car. <laughs> nope. In this book. <laughs> I don't even know if the word tornado is in the appears book. in the novel. <laughs> it's a tsunami. I'm sorry. The tsunami. No. Is there a tsunami? <laughs> no. The third car. Noden drives a typhoon. Noden drives a typhoon. I said that. Now. I'm not a car now, guy, Brent, I, Now, I got a little bonus question for Brent. This one's just for Brent. Do you remember the model of car that Sen Sheng drove? Listeners, if you remember, Brent stopped the episode to point this out to us. <laughs> the worst part is, is we've actually talked about it since then because Kanan alluded to it being on this. And did I go look it up? 
No. No. He did tell us the answer, though, when mm-hmm. we, he brought it I don't it know up. if Brent pronounced it correctly, because I think it's spelled <laughs> F-E-I-C-U-I, and you said Fiji. Maybe that's right. I'm not sure. But I wanted to point that out. In the episode, you're like, I want to point out, Sen Sheng drives a Fiji. Yeah. That's what you definitely said. Definitely forgot that. There are three cars mentioned. I just want to I point interrupted out the cars. You. I think it's cool yeah. that there's three cars. <laughs> I do, too. Even if I can't remember them. Next model year, we'll get the tornado. <laughs> <laughs> How about this? Do you remember the name of Kim's family manufactures these cars? It's their company. Do you remember the name of the company? Aaron. Sorensen. There's two words. Oh, no. It wasn't Sorensen manufacturer, was it? No. I didn't even write this. It was Sorensen mechanical. Mechanical. I just, that's just a thing I remembered. Listen, what is the name of the company that owns the Silver Eagle? Brent. Monopole. Correct. It's Monopole. The Monopole Silver Eagle. He got Kanan, it. Kanan, you helped me with that one because you made that awesome gif of like the Monopole advertisement. Yeah. And that is literally the only reason I remember it. Thank you. Shout outs to Kanan. It worked. <laughs> remember, after a helium tank failure, the Silver Eagle had to transfer to the Bifrost. However, they were originally not meant to jump on the Bifrost. Do you, do you remember the original jump ship, the one that they blew the helium seals on, the Sabotage? Do you remember the name of that jump ship? The jump ship. The jump ship? Wait, the jump ship that they had to, they were on? Yes, or the, Danica. That they were going Danica to. and Clovis are in the captain's room. And Yes, Brent, what was it? Is it the Intrepid? No, not the Intrepid. <sighs> oh, they don't remember. It's the Meridian. The The Meridian. The Meridian. Meridian. It's so sad. They blow his helium seals. Jump ship Meridian. (laughs) I even made a bit. Yeah. I like that. I like that name. Jump ship Meridian. It is cool. Shout out to the Meridian. They deserve better. (laughs) How about this? When they're defending the Styx mining complex, when Melissa and Andy are in there, Andy volunteers to join one of the backup fire teams. Do you remember what team he was on? Yes, Brent. Tiger. Tiger. He's right. Tiger team. And he's on Tiger team on Echo level. Oh, man, he's on fire. He's killing it. (laughs) He is. He's killing it. He's killing them. I wore my trivia shorts today. (laughs) Yes. The secret is it's the same shorts as the other shorts. Is it your little green shorts? It's my little green shorts. Yeah. You saw him if you were at Gen Con. How about this one? Damn, am I, I think I've already asked 10. Listen, I do, have a, I do have another one. I did write. Do you remember what district Gray Noden is storing the legend killer? Aaron. The Cathay district? Incorrect. It's Montenegro. Oh, it's Montenegro. He's wrong. Because Gray Noten was from the Free Worlds League. Mm-hmm. And Montenegro is the free world's district. However, I, I think he's actually of mixed heritage as well. I think uh, Gray Noden is half Lyran. I think it says that on his pilot does, card. I believe it does say that, yeah. Yeah. I have one more question written here. What's the name of the catapult pilot? In the Kellhounds. My guy. I love this guy. You remember his name? Aaron. Fitzhugh. It's Fitzhugh. Thank you. I'm just glad somebody remembered Fitzhugh. One more question for you boys. Or really, a challenge. Can either of you recite Yorinaga's haiku from Mallory World? Oh. Rem- do you get. Okay. Aaron, Aaron it was Aaron. Oh. Uh, 
Oh, I'm not going to get the whole thing. It's Little Bird I See. That's the part I remember, too. Yeah. Bird I See. I'm not going to get the rest of it. That's st- Brent, what do you think? What do you got? I got just as much as he I'll does. I'll say it's actually <laughs> Yellow Bird I See. Yellow Bird. That's it. Because remember, the Yellow Bird. Oh, wait. I thought he said Yellow Bird. No, he I said, said Little Bird. He said Little Bird. Oh, no. I knew it was Yellow Bird. Yeah. Yellow Bird I mean, is I've... the enemy of the dragon. Oh, yep. Uh, I wasn't sure. This is actually tough. If you had asked me this on the street, I'm not sure if I could bust it out right off the dome, but I thought this would be a fun thing to ask. Yorinaga's haiku is, yellow bird I see, the gray dragon hides wisely. Do you guys remember the last line? Not at all. Honor is duty. And that's it. What are the points? Who won? Was it Brent? No. (laughs) It was (laughs) six, six. But I also what? got 0.5 in there, so 6.5. Still the champ, baby. What? <laughs> There's no way you also... Wait, I was like way ahead. I had you right where I wanted you. Damn. Honor is duty. Damn. Should I do another one? A <laughs> we We should do a tiebreaker, because I said I only count... <laughs> well, I did say I'd only counted if I was losing, but... <laughs> How about this? What was the name of Justin's lawyer? Oh, Aaron. Got me. No, I didn't. Uh, we talked about him so much. I raised my hand thinking the question was going to be about count videos. I got nothing. How about this? By the way, the answer was Lieutenant David Lofton. 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 How about this one? That's it. When the Combine sends a dropship full of ISF operatives to assault the Styx mining facility, what class of dropship do they send? Oh, we talked about it. Melissa herself identifies it as being for infantry. Brent. Is it a fury? It's a fury class. Uh, Brent is correct. <laughs> a fury class dropship. I was I just want you to know, Aaron, I was not sure about it. <laughs> if they're sending a fury, then it must be ISF. He's right. We talked about it. Remember? We did. The fury class. It was a plot point. I only remember it because I did a I did like a little bit about it. Exactly. Gentlemen, <sighs> you gotta give it to him. Give Brent the dub. He did great. <laughs> he Aaron takes it. Like it. I don't like it. My streak <laughs> is over. I like it. My season is ended. <laughs> I gotta wait till the draft next year. Oh my god. He's three and one. <laughs> like, like it's it's over. Did you think you were just gonna be undefeated? Like it was gonna be like Forever. We're gonna be like <laughs> He was going to be 73 and 0. It was very He's, possible. <laughs> the, there's no way. <laughs> Great job with the Fury class. I saw you. He was like, oh, I know it. He did. It was legit. He pulled it from the depths of his memory. The Fury class dropship. That's absolutely correct. Good job. Gentlemen, another trivia session in the books. I got one more. Yes. The answer is Mindo Waterly. <laughs> I just expected that question. That was all. I just, no, I that's too my... easy. <laughs> I spent all of my trivia brain power of this book thinking the question of who is the co-host during the Solaris fights that they throw. I to. also was worried about that one, and I could oh, not remember. That's a good it's question. Carl. It's Carl. <laughs> I, I, I kept that like in my mind the whole time. I was like, that that's trivia oh, that's question easy. right there. I that's, made a mental note that I should good. remember now, it, and now, then I didn't. Now, who was the host? Kevin Johnson. 
Oh, pretty good. He's right. Uh, that he was another thing. I, I was like, I, I got this whole segment down. He I forgot was... all the other stuff. <laughs> That's so funny. That would have been a good question. You're right. I should have asked about Carl. But I was like, "That's." But the thing is, I was like, "That's too deep." They wouldn't get that. They wouldn't remember Carl. I only had room in my brain for Carl. Everything else, I'll just have to start the streak back up next time. <laughs> Very good. Brent is the winner. He takes the victory. This concludes the trivia segment for Warrior On Guard. Great job. I had a great time. How about you guys? I feel like we've gotten a little better. I think we got a little better. Like, I'm not even talking about because I won. Like, I mean, just like, I feel like we got a greater percentage right than we normally do. It's like a dagger in my heart every time you say it. (laughs) You know what's funny? I thought for sure you guys would get Jump Ship Meridian. That's when I was like, oh, they'll probably remember this one. I really was. I was, I was. What what messed me up on that was Mistletoe because my brain kept. Yeah. I knew it was M, but I kept saying mistletoe in my head. That's funny. So, you know, see you again for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> you want to take us out to emails? I'm too defeated. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll transition us. Yeah, yeah go ahead, Brent. You won. Go for it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And with my victory secure in hand, we move on to emails. Okay, boys, it's time for our next segment. It's time to read some emails. Yes, we have received some transmissions, shall we say. Some uh, questions, corrections, just like I always ask for. I love it. First and foremost, there was a lot of emails, more than we could possibly read in this segment. So we had to be choosy, and we apologize to those whose emails we did not read. And some of them we will probably have to surmise versus read them to their entirety just to save on time. Yeah, this is great. We did it. We okay, we do have an email problem, right? I wondered every <laughs> podcast, if you guys have ever listened to a podcast where they read emails, you know that eventually they have to do this where they can't read all of them. And up to this point, I'm, I I just mean we did it. We we have an email problem where we were like, "Oh, well, <laughs> We should pick the ones that are on topic or that are pertinent to what we are discussing. So especially if you know had something to say about this book or something we said about it in particular, we were like, okay, well, those we'll, we'll definitely do those on the Remembrance. Yeah, there was a bunch of general suggestions and corrections and stuff. People send cool stuff, and I would love to talk about those. I, I'm like, dude, we got to do – we'll figure it out. But <laughs> I love it. Advice at heat.management. Don't stop. Right, just crush yes, me. Please continue right? to crush send me. We love <laughs> yes. to see it. I read them and I love them. So, but yes, we have a generous selection. So, please, without further ado, let me start us off because I wanted to start with this one from Dak and Back. What's up, Dak? Yeah, it's our boy Dak and Back. Dak wrote in in a response to it's a pretty deep cut. Remember when? I was talking about the Kellhounds, how the pilot Fitzpatrick was talking about remember the the Panthers in the swamp and how he said something about how they hung there like balloons. You specifically asked to the aggregate, you were like, hey, what's the deal with hung there like balloons? I remember thinking, is there a reference I'm not getting or something? Why did he say that? Well, Dakenbach wrote us an email. And now I love this 
email because he starts us off by saying that he also has never heard anyone say hung there like balloons. It's not like he, or I'll say, uh, Dak makes me feel better by admitting that it doesn't seem even from his point of view to be a common phrase, but he offers a hypothesis or at least just takes this opportunity to uh, teach me some things about early aviation. It's cool because he posits that Stackpole may have, he might have wrote that line himself without any, it's not like a common phrase, but Dak reminds us that in early aviation, we used a lot of balloons though, right? Dirigibles and whatnot. It's some real World War I kind of stuff. And of course, they would tether them to the ground, right? Because otherwise they'd float away. But that also made them easy targets for enemy aircraft, right? Dudes would come in on the, uh, you know, the old, uh, with the propellers. Help me out. What do they call those? The old, it's a... Prop planes. Yes. Yeah. With the machine guns. Oh, and didn't they like, they timed the machine gun so the bullets would always fire between the propellers or something? I read that once. Is that true? If they had machine guns that were gunning through props, that is true. They would time them. How cool is that? That's not even, I just wanted to say that. That's not even in the email. I just (laughs) always thought that was a cool, I don't even, I wasn't even sure if it was true. I just, someone said that once. To my knowledge, it is. That's cool. You know, advice at heat.management. Is that true? We're kidding. <laughs> Dak also reminds us that these balloons are often filled with hydrogen, which, as we know, extremely flammable. Parentheses see the Hindenburg. <laughs> and so Dak says that many pilots made name for themselves as balloon busters, most notably Frank Luke, who claimed 14 balloons in 17 days. Luke would drop messages over friendly trenches, alerting soldiers on the ground as to which balloon he would be targeting next and on which date, so that his exploits were sure to have an audience to confirm his kills. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Shout outs to Frank. <laughs> Frank huh? Luke. I love that. He's got two first names, man. Can't This go is wrong a cool there. story. This is cool. It is. He even says that there was like a recent where these fighter pilots shot down a balloon and apparently they used the call sign <laughs> Frank on that mission as an homage to Frank Luke. It's like, oh, interesting. Frank Luke. He was the goat, man. No one shot balloons <laughs> like Frank. Frank the balloon buster. So Dak asks, did Stackpole mean to go that deep with this one line? Doubtful, right? Probably not. But he might have touched on something inadvertently, right? He might have actually, I don't know. I like what you wrote here. I was down with it. He's like, maybe there was some behind it. He asks us to send him any of our aviation-related questions. I think I will. I'll keep that in mind. (laughs) Indeed. He says, real-world questions only, please. I, too, am willfully ignorant of most aerospace rules. Aren't we all? (laughs) Yeah, me too, buddy. (laughs) Thank God for BSPs. So, yeah, that was great. Thank you, Dak. Thanks, Dak. Oh, Brent, why don't you take this one from Drago? So, we got an email here from Drago. Cool name, Drago. I like it. Hey guys, Drago here. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> Very <laughs> One good. of my favorite openings. <laughs> this is actually the first book I've been reading along with you guys. And what a tale it has been, indeed. And I've made some observations that I find interesting, and maybe yes. you will too. 
Yes. First, has anyone else noticed that Stackpole seems to color all lasers, regardless of class, as red? When most people accept the large mediums are blue-green, I wonder when the shift in thinking happened. So, this is a good point. Laser color. So, laser colors. Battletech has been notably agnostic when it comes to laser colors. And I would say that the colors for lasers are most colored by the video games. In fact, the current understanding of larges are blue, mediums are green, smalls are red. Those are from the uh, modern video games. In fact, specifically MechWarrior 5 and MechWarrior Online. If you go back a little bit further, MechWarrior 4 has different colorations. And if I recall correctly, so did MechWarrior 3. And so even the video games, which are the ones that mostly give us the laser colors that most people consider to be the colors that correspond to each laser type, even they are inconsistent. I believe this has been answered by people throughout the franchise, and there is no canonical laser color. I think even by manufacturer, laser colors are different. I actually have a personal headcanon that I read on some message board years ago that uh, oh, I cannon? kind of adopted myself. Isn't that like the, uh, it's like the grass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are head missiles, my friend. Oh, he's right. <laughs> but so in this forum post from who knows when the person was like, well, there's not actually any reason for any of these lasers to even be on the light spectrum no matter how like high or low powered they are. And it's very likely that they are colored strictly by the mech sensors, as in like, so any kind of heads up display and or like through the cockpit, having some kind of digital like pass through. And we kind of know that we get that like 360 degree view that kind of pops up for the pilot. That's canon like in this book. And so I kind of like the idea that you can literally color incoming laser fire to whatever color you see fit. Oh, custom colors. Yes. As in, like, it's literally just as a visual aid. That's funny, too, though, because that would leave infantrymen just in this terrifying stance where they can't see any of the lasers except for their effects, which I think is horrifying. So That's scarier. That's way right? scarier. It's yeah. way scarier. Again, headcanon, not official but uh, I thought that was an interesting uh, thought experiment, at least. But yeah, there's not a cannon color for lasers. That much I do know. Also, I like to think that they enhance the laser colors on like Holovid distribution. Oh, for sure. For the fights. For they do sure. a little post-processing. They really make those lasers pop. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say, again, that was head cannon. I don't believe that it's actually true that infantrymen cannot see the lasers. It does appear that even though there's no cannon color, they are showing up in the visual spectrum of light, so infantrymen can see them. And in the writing, in the text, when it comes to describing the lasers, I feel like at this time there there probably wasn't much of a style guide. He had to figure it out, I feel like. I'm sure he had sure. some help. They This wasn't there. They'd been doing Battletech for a little bit, but I just mean there's a lot of like ruby beams, crimson lances of coherent light. There's a lot of cool words. 
he had to, he was like, man, there's a lot of, they're shooting a lot of lasers. I got to figure out a creative way to talk about these lasers. I like when he says coherent light, beam of coherent <laughs> light. I think that's cool. Shout outs to coherent light. It is cool. Second, I had thought from the trial that Hans has probably been planning this from the start. What? And played his role in the case specifically to send Justin to Solaris to help uncover the connection between Michael Hasek Davion and House Liao. I'm curious if Justin will ever catch on to this, <laughs> and will it change his outlook on the Federated Sons? Would it change his outlook if it turns out that he discovers that he was being manipulated on an even deeper level than he originally <laughs> considered? It might. <laughs> but That's a good point, Caden. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of this book, it's all up in the air. So I'm excited to see how that pans out as well. I do think from the point of view of a new reader, I do think that this is in my opinion, the most interesting takeaway from this first book. This is, that is the thing that gets me to pick up the second book, right? Is like, what the hell's going on here with that plot line? So yeah, Drago finishes it off with looking forward to reading the rest of the trilogy with the squad. Keep up the good work. We hope we uh, continue to be of service to you, Drago, and glad you like hanging out with us. Yes, thank you, Drago. Thank you, Drago. I want to take this next email from Jeff because Jeff wrote in to say that he had a question for us. Jeff asks, how did the Karita Awesome pilot, a character so fated for death and or defeat, Stackpole didn't even dignify him with a name, not get at least one immediate nomination to be the D-lister? <laughs> I believe our friend Jeff literally spoke too soon <laughs> yes as we discovered and to be fair i had found out this information some time ago but i decided to withhold it until the remembrance because i thought it would hit different <laughs> we learned that stagpole did indeed dignify him with a name also though jeff was right in the episode, I didn't, because we've done that before, where during, as yes, we're going we along, it's true. like, oh, I wanted to nominate this. I, I, I do remember after we finished that episode, and I had been like, oh, who was this guy? I actually thought to myself, oh, I should have nominated him as my D-lister. You weren't alone in thinking that. I, I just forgot that that's a thing that we do, or have done, <laughs> where, where we like, nominate them as we go along. But in my it's head, true. Jeff, I will let you know, he was always my D-lister in my heart. Jeff also sent that email very shortly after that episode. And okay. I replied to him, letting him know that awesome pilot was my D lister nomination. <laughs> That's very funny. Jeff, for you and all the other listeners out there, we will try and be more diligent about selecting them in the moment. Tignazotka forever. <laughs> that man was a hero. Also. I like how at the end of the email, Jeff tells us to enjoy the convention. And then he looks forward to the next episode. So this was before we went to Gen Con. So thank you, Jeff. I did enjoy the convention. Thank you for your well wishes. Thank you, Jeff. Um, thank you, Jeff. Also, I'll take this one from Suburban Goats real quick. Suburban Goats wrote in to say that I recently happened upon your podcast, Halfway Through Decision. Nice. And I wanted to say I'm enjoying the podcast. You guys are doing a good job. No advice as of yet. 
but I'll say that I dig the synthesizer bumper music. Much appreciated. And thank you. You're not the first. Multiple people have asked about the music. Like, oh, do you make all the music or like, where do you guys get the music? And I just wanted to, for transparency, I make some of the music. I've made some of the transitions and I, I, you know, I made the intro and the outro, but a lot of the transitions are just samples that I've gotten that I've purchased. When you hear like the drum loops and stuff, no, I'm not composing everything by hand. Some of it is just like loops that uh, I've just like arranged and stuff. We try to keep them thematically consistent. Thank you. I'm glad people, I just, people like the music. I've had multiple people be like, dude, this, I, I love when you guys put the little music in here. I was just like, man, we should put little synthesizer music in between the chapters. People will <laughs> like it. And we were right. They like it. I'm glad they like it. Heck yeah. Thanks for making Canaan's Day Superman oh, Goats. Also, I'm excited in the future to like change the music, right? Depending on the style of the book or like the flavor of it. Kind of like, yes, I'm Heck excited. Yeah. I, I'm totally going to make more transitions and like switch up styles and explore. It's like, man, we, we have, I actually have a lot of opportunities to do some fun stuff. So I am... I am also excited to do more music in the future. The best is yet to come, I think. <laughs> but thank you, Suburban Goat. Yes, thank you, Suburban Goats. All right, we got this one here from Jason, talking about how they just found the show and that they were having a great time going through the Great Death Trilogy series. And throughout their email, they talk about how they really enjoyed the book club format, that it was a lot of fun to listen to us just banter amongst each other and having a good time with it. They mentioned that they were recently a convert from 40K and how much getting back into Battletech reminded them of playing old tabletop war games like Battletech back in the 80s. He wraps things up with continue the great work and thank you for creating essentially a Battletech book club and for teaching an old man the term himbo. Yes. That was my favorite part. <laughs> yes. Jason, this one made me a little teary-eyed. I was like, oh man, you're so sweet. Thanks, Jason. I've heard himbo defined as pure of heart, dumb of ass. And <laughs> I always thought that was pretty good, right? That is pretty good. That's what we're looking for. That's it. We love a good himbo. I think, I think that himboism is aspirational. <laughs> we could all do with a little more himbo. Yeah, we I'm could all, all learn that, a little yeah. something yeah. from the himbo yeah. archetype. Get a little gray in you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Oh, I'll hit this one real quick. We got one from uh, Air Mac, aka Power Turbine, aka John. And <laughs> John says, "Hey guys, just started listening to the podcast. Can't stop laughing my ass off." especially when I hear you guys talking about House Corita or the Cretans. I always hear it as Cretans, which actually fits, in my opinion. Screw those damn snakes, you know what I mean? <laughs> Thanks again for everything you guys do. And that's it, short and sweet. Thank you, Air Mac, a.k.a. Power Turbine, a.k.a. John. <laughs> I thought this was funny because I've heard it too. When Sometimes I like re-listen to the episodes, you know, checking on them, seeing if they sound good. And he's right. Sometimes when we say Cretans fast enough, it sounds like Cretans. I've also <laughs> thought that. So I thought that was funny. Hey, it's, two uh, of the great houses down. <laughs> We've got a few more that we can learn to mispronounce along the way. Now, I've also, I think it's interesting that, especially in these books, they often refer to 
people from the combine as Caritans, right? Ruling house is house Carita, they're Caritans. But I feel like that's applied more to the Caritans than you hear that more than you hear Davianists or <laughs> like, you, like, you know what I mean? I, I, I think it's, yeah, it's, totally. it's actually a property kind of unique to referring to combine citizens to call them Caritans. It's true. Yeah, we don't hear uh, the the Marikans. Yeah, exactly. There's so many of them. And thank you, John. Thank you for writing in. Oh, Brent, why don't you do this one from Randy? Uh, Randy, afternoon, gentlemen. For music selection, I'm going with For Whom the Bell Tolls, Metallica, when the Marauder steps out of the hangar yes. and PPCs the Panthers. Dun, Heck dun, yeah. dun, I can totally dun, dun, hear dun. it. Overall, Saturday morning cartoon vibes, the Calhouns versus Ninjas has I'd go with Run for the Hills, Iron Maiden. I also approve Run for the Hills, Iron Maiden. I get it. Get the thrash metal in there. I'm chill with it. Totally. I, like I am too. Also, when Jones infernos those guys, he has to have a good keep the change, you filthy animals. keep up the great work you're right i agree he needs to have like a punchy line there i said i agree something about like that's captain to you i didn't (laughs) i was like i need to workshop it but you know i didn't it was a perfect one-liner opportunity yeah it's true it's a good one-liner opportunity yeah keep the change that's a funny thing to say (laughs) that's great randy we appreciate the write-in thank you randy yes Thank you, Randy. And thank you to all those that submitted awesome tracks to fill in that scene. We had a lot of people chime in and give a whole bunch of different takes that were all amazing for it. Man, I love it. I'm always thinking about the needle drops. I'm always in here talking about, dude, what, dude, if this was a movie, I'm always like, I read this book, dude, if it was a movie, I totally, and naturally I'm always thinking about what kind of music I'd put in it. So that a lot of our discussions, you know, me and Kanan, like we hang out pretty regularly and talk about these books. And uh, a lot of our conversations is around how the music sounds for the movies in our head. Love a good needle drop. I wanted to read this email from Reed. Oh, it's Reed again. You guys remember Reed? Yeah. Wasn't this our first guy? Sometime. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for hanging in there, Reed. So we got one from Reed. What does he say? Reed says, hey guys, wanted to let you know, super hyped that you're going th- through the Warrior Trilogy. Nice. Us too. It was my introduction to Battletech lore. Nice. Me too. And, uh, in my opinion, is pretty much as good as Battletech books get. I love listening to you guys, and I look forward to Wednesdays, because somehow you managed to nail that sweet mix of lore, story, analysis, and just plain fun. Thank you, Reed. That's the idea. It's about that. It's that it's that sweet, sweet mix. I'm always trying to hit those. Thank you. We're really trying to hone that in. And your feedback like really makes us happy. It's validating. It. Right. Yes. Thank you. I'm like, see, I can show this to my wife and be like, see, <laughs> well, <laughs> Reed gets it. Yeah. Reed likes it. So Reed asks me personally, actually, he says, hey, Kanan. In the most recent episode, you guys were talking about how the Kellhounds dropship was burning at a 2.5 G coming into sticks, right? That's when they hit it. They got to get down there and stop those Panthers. And he's like, oh, that's when Dan asked him to goose this baby, right? <laughs> they goose it. But 
Reed says, you made a comment that was pretty brutal, that they would need to reverse to avoid punching through the asteroid. And he says he might be able to shed some light on this because he's played a lot of Kerbal Space Program. Oh, right. heck yeah, dude. <laughs> that game rules. Reed says that when landing on a planet, a dropship would be approaching it with some kind of velocity, right? Because there's no drag when traveling through space, a dropship would perform a burn to accelerate to its desired velocity, then stop the burn and keep going at that velocity. But when approaching, the dropship would need to slow itself down, so they have to do the retrograde burn. So they would accelerate away from the planet to slow its velocity. That's They do the flip over, right? Usually they like flip their thrusters the other way and start, uh, we talked about this. But it was funny because they're coming in so hot at such a short distance, right? He says that they're like pretty close. And so he has to gun it and then immediately, that's what we were asking about. Is like, man, that has to be a crazy maneuver. And so Reed says that when the Kelhounds are coming at a 2.5G burn, they are slowing down at 2.5G. The advantage of this is that they are basically braking much harder than they normally would, meaning they could approach the planet much faster and burn harder for a shorter time to decelerate. Anyway, I have no clue if that actually made sense, but assuming it didn't, and also assuming probably a stretch that you're interested enough to look into orbital and mechanics, I'm sure that there are a bunch of YouTube videos that will probably explain it with a bunch of cool animations and stuff. That's probably true. Also, I wanted to say, I thought it made sense. He's just saying that they were probably decelerating. Plainly. He was probably decelerating all the way down, but it was it was more of a uh, regulation of the deceleration. They're basically burst breaking. That's what he's saying. They're coming in real fast and they're burning real hard so that they break very quickly as they're closer to the planet. And checking out those videos would be a huge help for me. Because uh, I tend to meet the ground a lot sooner than I'd like to when playing any kind of space sim. So, might be able to save myself some wrecks in the future. This does help confirm my generalized kind of ideas about the whole situation that we were like, oh man, they're coming in so fast, but don't they got to like slow themselves down so they don't? Reed says, yes. They're probably actually decelerating the whole time. Because we're right. If they just floored it, if you just take a spaceship and you're like thrust straight into that planetoid, then you're, yeah, you're going to collide with the planetoid. It's, you got to slow that thing down. <laughs> we were on the right track. Thank you, Reed. <laughs> it's not rocket science. Wait. <laughs> it's literally a rocket science. <laughs> Reed ends the email by saying, thanks for tolerating me being a nerd. Keep up the good work. Again. Thank you, Reed. Another one. We appreciate you. Thanks, Reed. All right. Aaron, why don't you take this one from... Ganglo Saxon. Yeah, it's Ganglo Saxon from Twitter. By the way, we love all the posts that you make. They're great. Yeah. Thank you. I love to see it. Ganglo Saxon starts it off with, hope everything is going well with you boys and that you were in fact managing your heat. And I can say most of us do that okay. <laughs> it's not nice to insinuate, Aaron. Some days better than others. <laughs> I mean, for me as well. <laughs> Aaron didn't. Nope. <laughs> Ganglo Saxon continues on. I'd like to thank you for the work you guys do on the podcast. From the insight provided to the solid and serviceable music selection. Another music take. Love it. The podcast has been a welcome addition to my library for commuting, working, and patrolling for pirates. Trying to get at my herd of range bulls. Ganglo Saxon also makes a few suggestions here. Starting off with, first, the mech of the book is the rifleman. Hands down. 
From the ambush that took Justin's arm to the court case to Gray Noten and Billy Wolfson to the final duel with Capet, it has far more importance to the plot than even Yen Lo Wang. I agree completely. As you already know by now, both me and Kanan saw it that way. He's right. But he threw in a runner-up that is the urban mech. They explain that as we may never get an urban mech in such a prominent role in the story again, which we can't really call it a prominent role, but if it is the largest stage time it gets, it was well worth its time. I have a feeling it's only a matter of time before we get some... I mean, the urban mech has become such a staple of the franchise. I think it's only a matter of time before we get some short story or maybe even a mech in a novel that is like highlighted. So I understand your concern, but by the time we're done with whatever this thing is we're doing, we'll have an urban mech mech of the book. I don't promise, but I'm pretty sure. There you go, Shrapnel Riders. You can <laughs> make Brent's dream come true. Uh, now listen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's likely. <laughs> he said the Marauders in the back seat now, Urban Mech's up front. There's a short story. I mean, that's like a psychological thriller about. It's like a horror story where an Urban Mech is the monster. Basically, <laughs> that one's funny. He mentioned Range Bulls. I've heard of this. There's a st- short story in Battle Corps, Callie's Call. I remember this. Yeah, they're on a farm and she has all the bulls. That one's cool. I got that reference. The range bulls, dude. That's all. Shout outs to those. Maybe I just wanted to shout out that Battle Corps. First Strike. Those are awesome. Check them out. The Battle Corps anthologies. Thank you, Ganglo Saxon. We love it. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Our next one comes in from Adam or Grotonomus. Hey, guys. Do you have a merch store set up anywhere? I'd love to get a Neuro Helmet Skelly Bob t-shirt. Skelly Bob is what my three-year-old daughter calls skeletons. Thanks for the awesome show. Growing up and living in a rural area, Iowa, for most of my life, I never got to play Battletech too much, but the novels, especially the Succession-era ones, have always been close to my heart. Nice. I'll respond to the last part first. We actually also kind of got into Battletech from kind of a rural area, and that was actually... One of the staples of why we started the show is that for people like you, Adam, that are are kind of in a rural area, but want to kind of talk or think about these uh, Battletech novels. So it's great to hear you're enjoying the show. Yes, thank you. And we are currently working on merch for the show. We have a lot of ideas in place. Uh, we made up some stickers for Gen Con, but we'd love to get... More stickers, shirts, and dice done, but we'll keep you all in the loop of once we have those officially ready to sell. I wanted to point out, he says neurohelmeted Skelly Bob, and I wasn't sure if the listeners, have we said it before, that internally we have we refer to the skeleton man in the album art as Reggie. Or Reggie, yep. just from the beginning, Reginald. it was organic. Yeah. I think I showed you guys the art. I said, "Hey, what about a skeleton in a neuro helmet?" I don't. Someone was like, "It's Reggie." It was Aaron. It's and Reggie. We were like, "Sure, it's Reggie." And so he's just. It's always been Reggie. Reginald, the regimental commander. Yeah, it's just a. Uh, it's Reggie, but it's like the mascot almost. I don't even. It's Reggie. I always call it's, him Reggie. 
Yeah, I think we talk about it in one of the early. It's like two or episode two or three. Yeah, it's it's indecision at Thunder Rift, I believe. Oh, yeah. that's funny. Interesting. Heck yeah, dude. We I I would love to do some Reggie on there. I you know and you know what? I've always thought of Reginald also as like representative of the fallen mech warrior, though, right? The dead yes. <laughs> mech, you know, they mostly die. There's a lot of skeletons in a lot of cockpits littering the inner sphere <laughs> and beyond. You know what I mean? And I've, I've always thought... Well, that's where we found Reginald. Yeah. Of mechs and men, he does represent the men in a way. I, you know, I've always like, yeah, he's a mech pilot, but he's also dead. I always <laughs> thought that was funny. It's a bit of a warning. You're not the only person to have messaged or emailed us, Adam, about the merch store. We are working on it. We've also been downright heckled about starting a Patreon. We're just trying to figure out exactly how we cumulatively want to do all of that. And when we do, we'll, of course, make sure you guys all know. Yeah, it's exciting. We'll get something going for sure. But but yes, thank you, Adam, a.k.a. Grotonomous. Oh, do you think this is a bit of a Grotonomics lesson? <laughs> Grotonomics. Just wanted to say that. Thank you, Adam. And we got this one in from an anonymous listener. But they stated that they started the podcast a few months back, and they had thought we had started a long time ago, but then they found out that they were nearly caught up and asked us to grind out more grist for the content mill, which they added that they were joking. (laughs) But as they were listening to the Warrior series, the thought they had was that the song Mr. Roboto from Styx was the theme song of the book for Warrior. <laughs> oh, yeah, Sticks. Because, yeah, they go to Sticks. That's funny. And the Japanese, yes. yeah. Yeah, with, the, with like the Japanese angle. All right, okay. He posted it right after the episode where we were making fun of Dan for his Arigato introduction. <laughs> oh, yeah. Domo, yeah, Mr. Roboto. That would be, uh, that's funny. I didn't actually draw that. I didn't. Uh, Nor did I. Good, yeah. yeah, good pull. Yeah, Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto. Sticks. My dad would bump that track. He loved that CD. (laughs) He goes on to say, anyway, you guys are doing a great job. I laugh a lot and also get a lot more out of the books. You're one of the two podcasts that I listen to. The other one is Tex from the Black Pants Legion podcast. You're a spite from the news and politics. I enjoy hearing how honestly and naturally kind the Battletech community is. He also says we're good boys for helping Catalyst Game Labs break down their booth. (laughs) So... I, too, like to think sometimes we're good boys. Sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) But yes, thank you. We really appreciated it. Yeah, whoever sent this, if you're listening, thank you. I did. I I thought it was so nice. He called us good boys. (laughs) And Brent, why don't you take this last one from Steve? Steve writes in and says, good afternoon, gentlemen. Let me start off by saying I am so happy I saw someone recommending your podcast I absolutely love it, and I am looking forward to your continuing the Warrior Trilogy and other Battletech novels. In advance of the remembrance of Warrior's Unguard, I wanted to throw in my two cents about two particular, if probably insignificant, points. I know we all kind of make fun of the instant celebrity status of Andrew Redburn when he gets to the Lyran Commonwealth. As you guys mentioned, more than once, he just saved a bunch of stingers. Not really something to 
write the palace about. On the other hand, that celebrity is completely manufactured by Simon Johnson. Andy's celebrity status is created when he first sets foot on Tharkad. He is coming yeah. to Tharkad with Arden Sortek, and they are both created by the Archon and the Archon designate. Good point. I like what he said here, that it was uh, the celebrity status was also manufactured by this PR campaign that they were running, right? Good point. It isn't totally organic, right? They juiced him. He's saying that he got juiced a bit. Good point. I agree. The Archon goes to them and not the other way around. That must mean Arden and Andy are very important. I always picture the Lyran people getting some image with a kind of World War II newsreel voiceover. Something like, Archon Katrina Steiner greets envoys from the Federated Sons. The Archon and the Archon designate shake hands with Colonel Arden Sortek, Prince's champion and Prince Hans's best friend. They also greet Lieutenant Andrew Redburn. Golden Sunburst recipients, yeah. and the Federated Sun's newest hero. We hope you enjoy the stay on Tharkad, Lieutenant Redburn. And there you go. Instant celebrity. Andy will be recognized by everyone in the Commonwealth. And we all know that Newsreel goes to cultural news with the hit new group, Probably Panthers. Probably Panthers. <laughs> That's so funny. I were, Yeah, probably Panthers. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you thought that was funny. <laughs> Me too. The other quick point concerns a scene on the Silver Eagle when Andy comes down hard on Melissa when dining with the Maulers. Andy loses it a bit with Melissa when Melissa tells him that Justin, as betrayed, is Prince. If not on Kittery, then on Solaris. Andy gets mad and lectures Melissa. I don't think he does it because he disagrees with Melissa, but because he remembers what he said during the trial when he did not really defend Justin. And he, too, is starting to believe that Justin is lost to them, just like he will confess to Melissa in her cabin the following chapter. Good point. He doesn't necessarily... Again, this is, he had some big feelings to work through, is what he's saying. He also, he's kind of defending, just like you did, Brent, where I was like, this guy's being kind of a dick. And you were like, well, come on, let's hear him out. Think about it. And <laughs> you're right. He's, and he went through a lot in a short period of time. It's true. So yeah, we cut him some slack. And Melissa did too. So it all worked out. All's well that ends well, eh? Steve finishes it off with, from one serviceman to another, allied militaries give each other medals all the time. So this is actually, this is funny, Jason Hanza, actually, in our Discord, also mentioned about this as well. This was such a point of contention. That thing, when, you, when we talked about it, sparked, I saw in the Discord. It sparked, there was discourse occurring. <laughs> Other servicemen also had things to say about this. Jason Hanza says, point of clarification, many militaries accept awards from allied nations, American soldiers wearing French medals, for example. I was aware of this. I, I do not, in all honesty, remember what I said. But what I do know is that the part I was hung up on, or am hung up on, is mercenaries taking 
the medal. I know civilians often get awarded medals regularly. It was just, I was like, what purpose does mercenaries have for medals? But the more I've thought about it, and like, I also, in all honesty, was kind of looking at mercenaries from a modern context where they're kind of these private corporate entities that are kind of not sterile, but they don't really have rich kind of military styled traditions, which is not the kind of mercenaries Battletech is based off of. Battletech is kind of, especially in this time period, taking a lot from medieval history in which mercenaries are kind of decorated entities. And so my hangups were silly. <laughs> and uh, I think it's been enough people have shown that, that that this does make sense. And I was just being a little silly. But I do want to make sure that there's no confusion for listeners. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that I stated all that. You get that for killing Panthers? Bravery. <laughs> <laughs> Steve closes by saying, just how much I enjoy your take on the novels, even the Grey Death Legion, and they make the workday go along that much faster. Keep up the amazing work. Your passion for the novels is contagious. Thank you, Steve. Yes, thank you, Steve. That is, again, one of our goals, is uh, we love these books, and we want others to love them, too. Whenever we uh, get feedback that that's the case, it always brings a smile to our face. And, uh... I guess I'm rhyming. So, uh, any case, that's all the emails. We can now probably leave this place. Guess you're rhyming, but I liked your timing. <laughs> <laughs> What's happened? Yes. Somebody take the wheel. <laughs> yes, thank you, everybody. We really appreciate everybody sending everything in. Like we said earlier, we're sorry for everyone that we didn't get a chance to get to the emails, but we did want to keep this segment somewhat reasonable. I don't know how well we've achieved that, but please keep sending them in. We love to see them. We love hearing from everybody. And and again, if you would like to send an email in yourself, the address is advice at heat.management. Seriously, send one in. I'd love to read it. We read them all. And now that we've heard about what you all have been up to, we'll take a moment to cover what we've been doing in our next segment, Hobby Progress. All right, boys, it's time to do a little check-in. Let's talk hobby progress, because Battletech is a rich tapestry of stories and characters and war among the stars and whatnot, but it's also a hobby where you paint things and play games, and we don't talk about it that much on this show, right? But there's this whole physical component. This is hobby progress. Brent, what's going on? He's always up to something, especially in this arena. What you've been working on? Talk to me. So, uh, okay. First and foremost, we've been back from Gen Con for what? Like a month, a month. or so? Yeah. About a month. Yeah. I have only literally gotten one game of Alpha Strike in, and uh, I believe I have painted one mech. And it was the Crusader. Finally finished the Crusader for our Crusader Thunderbolt match that we have previously said we are going to have on our YouTube channel. Oh, and yeah. we will. 
But that also meant that uh, Brent is learning video editing, which uh, is time consuming. <laughs> and so we have shot the Crusader and Thunderbolt fight from The Last Remembrance, but uh, we have not composed it yet. So that's the big thing, as well as us working on what our YouTube component is going to look like. I have put together quite a few models, actually. I bought a bunch of Ironwind Metal models at Gen Con, and I put together a Thunder Fox. I put together... Thunderfox. Yeah, it's a four-legged uh, Dark Age era mech. And I put together that Mastodon, one of the two that uh, I picked up. It's one of my favorite models that I have. I am struggling to decide. I'm going to make like an entire like Ghost Bear uh, trianary probably now just because of that miniature. It's so cool. And uh, the stats are even cooler. Dude, the Mastodon is sick. Yes, I'm very much looking forward to putting together mine. It's so cool. Oh, what about? Did you get a crucible? Did you do? Did did you put together your crucible? Uh, no, I have not. Aaron has one that I'm sure that I will put together at some point if he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> the crucible also very sick. I did also put together. I uh, picked up for my girlfriend. She's a big Jade Falcon enjoyer, as we have stated previously, and I put together the. Uh, I got her the jumping, the like limited run jumping Jade Hawk, uh, which is now, uh, it now sits above our sink ominously. She's really enjoyed that. She's slowly working on painting up an entire like Delta Galaxy of all of her little miniatures that she has uh, or stolen from me over the years. That's it, really, though. Now, aside from all of reading these uh, Battletech books, that counts. It does, Cal. <laughs> so that's me. What about you, Kanan? Me? Oh, uh, you notice I didn't even volunteer to go because uh, I didn't I didn't put anything together. My crucible that I got, all that stuff I talked about in the Gen Con episode, it's still it's 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 just right over there. I did read a bunch of those books, not a bunch, <laughs> a handful. I don't know. You've we've talked about all of what you've read. It seems like it is a bunch. Actually, I read, I, I, I read some. You know, I'm always reading. I did take those little trucks out of the package and put them on my table and looked at them. I was like, "Man, look at this dude! Got these little trucks. You can like they can transport things. I love those little trucks. Uh, very very happy. But if you really want to know what I've been reading, as far as physical things that I bought, like uh, the stuff that I got at Gen Con. I did. I read my copy of Hunting Season by Philip A. Lee. I'd never read that. And it had been on my list for a while. And I did. I finally was like, oh, I'm just going to read this thing. And it was great, by the way. I loved it. And I've also been reading, I've been reading the Battle Corps anthologies. I realized I hadn't read, I read like the later ones, but the first, uh, I wasn't able to get them physically. So, but they're, but they're still available digitally. The first uh, five volumes or what have you, and I've I've, I've finished the first three so far. I just kind of read those little, like, you know, I just take little bites, and there's some good stuff in there. I'm going to talk about it in the future, because, um, yeah, the Battle Corps stuff rules. If anyone doesn't know, before Shrapnel, they had a website, Battle Corps. They published the short stories. They have these anthologies where, the you know, an editor would collect, often, uh, Philip A. Lee would um, collect them into these volumes, these collections of short stories, 
Check them out. They're on the Catalyst store. You know, there's some good stuff in there. There's some deep cuts. I, I recommend them. Oh, and on top of anything that, that's new that's come out, there's been like a, since I last talked about it, you know, a couple novellas, a couple of shrapnels, I think. I've read them all. Hobby progress for me, I read a bunch of stuff. That's your primary way of interacting with Battletech, right? I don't know a lot of the listeners. You do play Alpha Strike. You have played Classic, but your primary, you you truly are in the, the, the books and the lore. Like, that's your primary kind of avenue. It's true. I've read more of this stuff than I've done anything else. But also, there's a lot to read. I'm reading stuff all the time, and I feel like I have, I've like hardly made a dent. They're writing it faster than I can read it. On top of the <laughs> backlog, it's beautiful. It really is. I don't think there's, there's nothing like with so many different writers. So many writers have contributed to this property. It's kind of special. I think it's really cool. And it's been going for a long time. And yeah, that's uh, you're, you're right. My primary mode of interaction with this universe is through the fiction, the prose. Anyway. Oh, what about Aaron? Aaron, what's up? Did you paint something? You play some... You know, uh, what's going on? Hobby progress. So after Gen Con, I have been very quiet in the hobby progress front. Yeah. Next to starting to paint up the Yin Lo Wang to keep up my trend of painting up mechs from the books we're covering. I haven't finished it yet. I meant to have it done in time for the Valhalla Club miniature contest, but quickly found out that I was not going to be able to do final details on it after I realized I made a mess and had to go back and try to fix that. But it's been a lot of fun getting that painted. I'm ready to get more painted up. I'm hoping to have some more free time. So Brent, I can watch you assemble those mini miniatures I bought from Gen Con and put together some lists that I can paint up. And you know, boys, I'm sure you're not, there has to be some of that convention burnout. It's either, I feel like you either become very energized by it and you go home and you're like, I want to paint them all because I got so into it. Or like you guys did, you, you were painting them and the hotel room and then going to the tournament. I bet it's not uncommon for others to be like, it was a big <laughs> blowout. It's okay. I'm coming back. I got some new uh, list ideas. So I'm new list ideas. Yep. Here we go. I we have know, some as well. Hey, we're back. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get ready for Adepticon. Yeah, Brent said I, I've been thinking about lists. That's how you know we're back, people. <laughs> yeah, I'm still not sure. I've I've got a couple factions on the table because we don't have a good local group brewing quite yet. I'm going to have to wait until we see when, what Adepticon's going to, what the Wolfnet era is going to be represented in, uh, at Adepticon. I do have a little event that I'm hosting to introduce a bunch of new people into Battletech coming up in the next two weeks. So, Shout out to a buddy of mine, Justin, who put all that together and has a bunch of people that were interested in trying it out for the first time. And so we're going to get a game and see how that all goes. So I'll have some more hobby progress by the next remembrance. Heck yeah. But that's what we've been up to in our hobby progress. But now we'll move over to our next segment to where we send out some shout outs and thank yous.
Okay, we're almost done here. But as always, we'd like to take a moment to, um, you know, if you guys have any special shout outs, special thank yous, this is our shout out segment. So Shrapnel 14 was released recently, right? Love them shrapnels. I get my uh, digital copy day one, my physical comes in. I get so excited on Shrapnel Day, crack it open, right? Read that commander's call. Always read that commander's call, right? By Philip A. <laughs> Lee. And in the commander's call, our podcast is mentioned by name. A special thanks to the boys over at Of Mex and Men. Yeah, exactly. A special thanks to Of Mex and Men. Philip A. Lee, in the commander's call, thanked us especially. What an honor. And also, Philip A. Lee, no, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Exactly. It was a huge surprise to us. And I think we spent that day all talking to each other and just pure excitement. We're in shrapnel, dude. It says it right there. <laughs> of mechs and men in italics. huh? In the commander's call. I told everyone to read the commander's call, right? <laughs> it's uh, pretty cool. I'm Check still... It uh, it's an honor. It truly is an honor. And... Uh, I believe I'm still processing that this has happened. Yeah, what is like, it's like trauma, but good. What do they call that? <laughs> That's what it feels like. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and if you're not reading Shrapnel, I don't know what you're doing. Like, seriously, this isn't even because we got a shout out from it. They're just hot. Man, all of the like short stories coming out of there, just absolutely great. Bangers. And uh, the way they're curated is uh, primavera. Uh, so definitely check out those shrapnels. Check out issue 14 for yourself. Speaking of shrapnel, actually, the way we found out that we uh, were shouted out in the commander's call was actually a fellow podcaster from On the Origins of Battle Mechs. Uh, yes. Derek from UTube messaged us on Discord and was like, hey guys, congratulations, before we had actually found out from reading it. So uh, amongst other reasons, like, thank you, Derek. And also you guys should definitely check out On the Origins if you want kind of a deep dive into different mechs, their variants, and uh, they just, as of this recording, they uh, ha have just uh, done A and B uh, on the Panther, the uh, Panther, which lines up perfect perfectly. So if you want to deep dive on the Panther and its variants throughout the airs, you should go check it out. That is on the origins of Battle Max, the podcast. <laughs> Love those guys. Shout out to the Battletech podcasts. You know what I'm saying? That's our boys. And speaking of Battletech Podcast, give a big thank you and shout out to the WolfNet episode where they covered their time at Gen Con. They all had such amazing and nice things to say. Oh, yeah. About the time we were all hanging out together. Yeah. Yeah, we totally, that was, uh, man. I, for one, despite the fact that they are uh, a keyboard reach away, uh, I miss you guys already. I look forward to seeing those of you that uh, show up at... Uh, Adepticon. Those guys were so cool. They're I so cool. I had such cool. a good time. And yeah, they, they totally talk about us on their episode too. We got in WolfNet, dude. <laughs> remember? I remember even before we started this thing, 
I because we would listen to the podcast, and I was like, when we first started, DJ, I was like, oh man, do you think that if we do a good enough job, they might talk about us on, they might mention us on Wolfnet? <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? They did. We did it. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Wolfnet. Is basically also what I'm saying. And uh, that's a, a specific shout out to Charles Gideon, just because uh, you're so cool, man. <laughs> He's so cool. That's the lore master. It's the lore master, Charles Gideon. Also, to shout out on the Origins again, they also had so many nice things to say during their Gen Con recap about yeah. that time as well. That's so right. it was awesome. I mean, the whole podcast hangout there was amazing. Oh, that's when Derek talked about how we got lost in the car. That's where he told the story about. That was so funny. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <It was. laughs> because he says, when Aaron and Brent get to talking, you know, they don't shut up. I just, I felt so validated. It's just so funny. I, uh, I loved that. I showed my wife. I did as well, because I knew she would get some validation from her experiences of me and Brent just talking until we're lost. I played it in front of Alex and she just nodded along. Yeah. It's amazing. We made it to and back from Indianapolis. Derek, your assessment is valid. And correct. <laughs> While we're shouting out fellow podcasters, let's not forget Bungle Tech, who recently featured a bunch of interviews of a bunch of different podcasters in the community. It's a fun episode, and uh, oh, our, our very own Canaan Hill it was enlisted in those interviews, and uh, it's a good time. I've listened to it and had a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully you guys will too. Nate over at Bungle Tech just has this this fun, energetic cadence and way of talking and asking questions that I always find endearing. So make sure you guys check it out. Right, the interview with Bungle Tech that was so much fun, and I almost I had done that like a like it was a uh, some weeks before even oh because it was we recorded that before Gen Con even, I think. And um, it was just so funny. I'd almost forgotten about it. Then it came out and I, I listened to my own interview. <laughs> I had a great time. Bungle Tech is cool. Check him out. Nate's a nice guy. Also yeah. during the series, I did an episode of Mercenary Star covering Snord's Irregular. Oh, yeah. And that was a very fun time. I really love diving into those guys. And so huge shout out to White Fox over at yeah. the Mercenary Star podcast and youtube channel all of those are so much fun i can't listen to much of the episodes to keep myself uh spoiler safe for the books in the future but everything i have heard has been so much fun that's right you went on mercenary star and talked about snords irregulars that's so funny when are we gonna get some uh some snords painted up from you <laughs> definitely sometime in the future Heck yeah. But for sure, shout out to Seth White Fox. He is uh he's phenomenal if you haven't heard. It's Mercenary Star podcast. Man, all of that really happened since we did the last <laughs> remembrance. Yeah. It's wild, right? Oh man. Just a lot has happened. A lot since we started <laughs> talking about this book, dude. <laughs> shout out to Trend Sparks, the voice of Battletech. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we couldn't uh, make as many shout-outs as we got to do in the Great Death Legion without the audiobook for Warrior, but uh, we won't miss a chance to shout-out, Trent. So, here it is. We're taking it. 
Trent Sparks, the narrator of the Grey Death Legion, as well as many other Battletech books. Also recently featured, relatively, in on Bungletech, and uh, you guys should check out that episode as well. It's uh, a lot of fun. They have a lot of fun with, with Trent. Uh, another huge shout out to Travis from Of Mechs and Memes. Oh, yes. Uh, both on Twitter and all the posting he does on Reddit. It's amazing. And who knows to where see. else? Yes. That man is a meme making machine. And they're always so much fun to go check out whatever he's got cooked up and love to see him all the time. So, huge shout out to Travis. Thank you. He's a hero. He's a, I don't even know what to say, man. Thank you. While we're here, we always do give him a shout out at, at the end, right? But for real, Catalyst Game Labs, they just, they finally closed that dang Kickstarter, right? The pledge manager, <laughs> is it over? I feel like they've been having a tough time. When they finally closed it, right? Remember, Brent, we were like, they did it. It's over. Close it up, boys. They're shipping them out. What a saga. The whole, the, 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 like the mercenaries Kickstarter era, I feel like has been going on for, they did it. It's closed. You know, I hope you, uh, I hope you closed out your pledge. It's uh, a <laughs> shout out to pledge manager. Shout out to bagger kid. Yeah. I can't we imagine how much work that is. But I'm very excited. Randall on the Catalyst Games YouTube channel just did a dice preview. And they, they look incredible. Look incredible. I uh, I bought so many dice. Oh, I'm not yeah. gonna lie. I am the last little rate I squeaked in the uh they actually technically were supposed to have already closed the Kickstarter. I squeaked in the like the last day and like ordered more dice. I'm sure they're gonna be available, but they just look so damn cool. Yes, shout outs to Catalyst uh for everything you do. As usual, like you guys are as we always say, generous stewards of the property and are keeping not only Battletech alive, but making it thrive. And uh, and uh, the last shout out goes to uh, you there, you with the uh, headphones on, or maybe I'm a disembodied voice in your car. Ooh, ooh. Uh, it's October, so I can do that, right? <laughs> Thank you so much for listening us ramble if you're still here if not we don't blame you <laughs> hey this last part we choose order in which these uh, sections are in in what we believe is the order that most of you guys are going to be interested in so if you've tuned out that's okay if you're still here thank you for listening and uh we hope we'll see you again yes thank you everybody uh as we say at the end of each of these remembrance it seems that how many people have come in and started listening or follow along with us is shocking to us <laughs> every time. I think last time we were, we talked in one of the previous remembrances how we were blown away just at the amount of people and to think that would grow into the thousands and tens of thousands is incredible. I mean, it's just mind boggling. So thank you all for being part of this community. Thanks for those that reach out, hang out with us on Discord, and show that love for all the Battletech fiction in the game that we hold as well. So thank you. Speaking of being part of the community, you can find us on the Valhalla Club Discord. Again, we hang out there. There's, there's a little channel, and you know Travis is always in there. He's posting the memes. So 
If you're bored, come find us. We're always hanging out in the Valhalla Club Discord, as well as a lot of our fellow podcasters are also congregated there. It's a fun place to hang out. Come check it out. We're also on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at of and Men. And, of course, we have an email, advice at heat.management. And yes, we will return. Actually, the next time you hear us, we will be joined by the Valhalla Club podcast themselves. So I am very excited to get those guys on here to talk about, I mean, ostensibly to discuss Warrior On Guard. I'm sure that we'll stay on topic. I'm sure the pacing, <laughs> it, you know, it's going to go very well, very smooth. And uh, I just, uh, I think it's going to be great. I'm very excited to have those guys on. Very excited to talk to them. Me too. Yeah. Until next time. Until next time. Say la. Say la.